Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Man, that was a hell of a weekend right there, wasn't it? Sports-wise, where are we with that weekend? I mean, you're feeling good if you're IU and Purdue fans because you go one and three on the seedometer going into the Big Ten Conference Tournament. Um, think about Northwestern last night, too. They ended up solidifying with a win and a shout-out to Brooks Barnheiser for another really good game for the sophomore from Lafayette. Jeff, 16 points in the road win over Rutgers. They could have been where they are right now. The second seed or what, all the way down to the ninth seed? I don't know what to say about this Big Ten Conference tournament. Normally, you can say that because IU is involved, there's probably going to be a mess. Maybe you can still say that. They tried to make a mess of things yesterday on Senior Day and got a little helper from some of those seniors late. Now, I will say this, not so much Race Thompson with the free throw shooting. You get four opportunities to salt that away, and you'd like to be able at home to salt that away with four free throw opportunities and not go, oh, a four. But Trace was Trace. IU got the win. Again, solidifying the three seed and the double by. First time since the double by era. Is that right? That they've had that. And they're going to sit back and work and then do some waiting until around 9.30 on Friday night, that late game situation from the United Center in Chicago coming up on Friday night. Whereas Purdue, as the one seed, they will tip things off a little bit afternoon coming up on Friday too. In fact, the Big Ten Conference Tournament gets underway on Wednesday. But I don't know how to look at it other than you can just maybe look for anything to happen because it's it's not going to take much to surprise anybody if IU or Purdue gets bounced and the way that you can look at the bracket you probably like the possibility pathwise of IU more than you do Purdue it looks like IU ultimately could get Maryland we'll see coming up in that Friday evening game but seriously it's it's tough to know in this case, it is tough to know because this league has been, for the most part, other than Purdue staying near the top, it has been all over the map. 
And that's the way that it is. At least in the Big Ten. We'll get into that. Jerry Palm of CBS. He's the CBS bracketologist. Coming up at 4.30 today, we'll see if IU's still a 4, Purdue's still a 1, and what could factor in maybe uh, to either mess that up or make that look a little bit better. We'll talk to Jerry about that. Florida Atlantic, my friend Dusty May with Conference USA. And what else is going on around the country of one seeds? That's Jerry Palm who will join us coming up at about 4.30 today. Jay Query is going to be here in the 4 o'clock hour. And we got plenty to talk about. I am even further concrete in C.J. Stroud than I was going in. I say even further because I base my entire opinion on one game, and I've told you that, and it's lame. And I've told you that it's lame, but that's what I'm going on. Let me tell you this, those that like other quarterbacks, if you like Bryce Young, if you like Anthony Richardson and his athleticism, and it was off the charts, just like everybody said it was going to be off the charts. Uh, If you like the cannon arm of Will Levis and you think Levis is a lot better, then that is fine, but I will stick. And again, you should be incredibly accurate. You're not throwing against anybody. And the person you're throwing it to is not working against anybody. So when you're at that level, you should be able to drop that into the bucket. So I understand, like, for example, Chris Ballard comes on the show last Wednesday and says, I don't take a great deal away from what goes on at the Combine. We like to look at the tape, and basically everybody does say that. But when, for example, Richardson has that type of athleticism that's something but there's a lot to factor in here there is a lot to factor in and I think the first thing that factors in is the alleged according to Peter King price tag that Chicago has up to move up to number one and I know that Daniel Jeremiah the NFL Network has kind of talked about the Colts and I think the Panthers in a similar light saying both of these teams are going to be actively involved in trying to get up to number one. Can anybody sit where you are right now and think about the price tag of those multiple number ones that it would cost the Colts to move from four to one if they just truly like somebody that you cannot part with. And believe me, I don't want to see them settle. So if they like somebody, I want them to go up and get it. The problem I have is when I sit here and try to tell you if I believe that they're going to, I think about this. I think about Chris Ballard. And I think about this price tag, and I go, there's no way that's going to happen. No way. Am I wrong? Because that would be, if you go back to last week, after our conversation on Wednesday, and I said, hey, I don't think there's going to be a great deal to change. Remember a couple of different times I asked him about the, the philosophical changes that maybe we could see? Yeah, as far as you know, his blueprint, his his game plan on building a high level team after six years, going into year seven, because of that lack of success, is it going to change? And he talked about, well, you just here and you just there, and I think we all came away from that conversation last week as he's not going to change 
much at all. If he does this, that's a drastic change. If he does this, that's a drastic change. If he does that, you kind of wonder if the owner is also not in the ear if he does that. That would be a complete 180. And then you could tell me that Chris Ballard's going to go out in free agency coming up in about nine days or so and just start throwing money around. Just things I cannot imagine. That's what you're looking at here. And listen, there are some arguments to be had. One is what I brought up a moment ago. The lack of results in the first six years. Now, opinions vary around here. Some will suggest he's got to get this right at quarterback. There's no doubt about it. But he's going to get more than one year for somebody to draw the conclusion that it was right or wrong. It's not going to be one year. Well, he's got to get this right at quarterback, and it's got to happen, and he's got one more. Is No, no, he's going to have more than one year. Two. And honestly, the way that Jim Mersey has given him this level of confidence, and I think we all kind of wonder why, I would say two and then even maybe three. Now, again, maybe not three. It depends on the signs that they're showing along the way. Not just the team, but with whomever they end up drafting a quarterback. So you could say the guy's got to hurry this thing up here a little bit. If he doesn't hurry this thing up, it's going to be his ass. He's going to be out after one year. He's not going to be out after one year. I would argue that he's not going to be after out after two years because I think in year two, I guess I'm resetting everything here, in year two or year eight, they'll show enough signs, I think, to justify what's going on if they get that pick accurate or even in the ballpark for that matter, it would take a lot. It would take a lot to come to the conclusion in year two or year eight that this is not going to work and it's all his fault and something else has to be done. So he's going to have some time to work with. So I don't really buy that. Hey, you got to hurry up and get this thing right because you're officially on the clock or whatever cliche. I, I, I would be absolutely floored if there is much difference in Chris Ballard and how he handles this football team compared to how we have seen him handle this football team in the first six years. And with the multi-first-rounders that reportedly, again, according to Peter King, that the Bears and Ryan Poles will desire, you got to be with me on this, right? I mean, you haven't had your head in the sand. We've all been paying attention here. I think that sounds Ballard-like. Or does it sound Ballard-like in zoning in on somebody that you like? Maybe not better than the first two. Or three. More than likely two. Zoning in on somebody you like. And sitting there and letting the board dictate to you or speak to you on who's best available at four and going there. I've said this. I think if you like a quarterback that you know is not going to be there at four and you and your staff 
you view this quarterback as being so much better than everybody else that you owe it to folks, including yourself, to try like hell to get up there and get it. I just don't think that he's going to do that. I'd be surprised. I think you need to do that, but I'd be surprised if he did. Just seems like kind of a number four deal right here. And you knew this would happen. You knew with this particular group, everybody would fall in love. Really, what was the negative? I'm just talking about the four here. But what was any of the negatives that we got last week or on Saturday when the quarterbacks went out and performed? What were the negatives? Like the the only one I can gather is from Friday when everybody was making fun of Bryce Young and his height. That's about it. Uh, um, you know, and obviously Bryce, when you look at Stroud, when you look at Levis, and you look at Richardson, they went out there to prove a point, and they did. But really, was the only negative regarding Young was just. The whole, not even meeting with the media. You say all the right things, but everybody is just so quick to want to make a joke. That's where that was at. That was really the only negative was that. And, and he's probably the best one. Probably the most talented quarterback coming out. When you think about it, the most talented quarterback coming out and the reason why people will criticize is because of his height and because of his weight and more because of his height. But you have to expect those guys that went out there and showed themselves. Anybody expect C.J. Stroud not to look good? So you look back, you see what he's done. I know you look back at the Big Ten and you see some games, and I know that he lost to Michigan, and oh my goodness, he looks beyond legit. So he and Young certainly will be gone with the first two. Whomever trades with Chicago, and then we'll see if anybody tries to get up there to trade with Arizona. Might that be the Colts? Would the Colts trade up one? Just Again, I'd have to believe it, or in this case, see it to believe it. That's what I would buy into it. A lot of you would agree regarding that, but evidently it was a spectacular weekend For the QBs that did work out, I'll give you this too. Richardson with the athleticism, it makes you think. And I mentioned too that Ballard probably has two years or three years, but I've also said you got to be showing something in this first year. And again, you got to be showing something in your seventh year. I'm not quite sure that Richardson gives you that. He may end up giving you more questions than answers, and I don't think anybody around here needs that. I guess it's pretty sweet to have a quarterback that if you go out on a basketball court could probably do a pretty sweet reverse dunk, but I think that may take a little bit too long. Even with what I said regarding a Ballard timeline, there's also a timeline for you guys. The timeline for you guys is when you say, well, none of this works, and I'm going to go away for a while until it does. 
Nobody around here that runs the Colts wants that to happen. How much patience will you have? I'll put it in terms of the Pacers. Remember at the start of the season, we talked about that very thing, patience. We talked about the patience that you're going to have. And probably one of the most fortunate things that happened in this Pacers season to date was that run that they went on in December. The, hey, they're not so bad. Hey, they're pretty good. And outside of Purdue, they're the only good thing that's going on. You know, IU in December kind of started that that mess with Kansas and Arizona. Wasn't looking good. The Colts were an absolute disaster. Purdue was playing well. And then you had the Pacers surprisingly playing well. And nobody was talking about patience. We were talking about nothing but patience. Here's the thing that the Pacers did. They gave you a lot to chew on. Somebody got on me for what I had said about Miles. And by the way, Miles tonight, this is a really good night. If you follow me on Twitter uh, to sit back, relax, and watch my Twitter account, this will be a good one with Joe L. Embiid, I'm assuming, playing tonight for the 76ers. This will be a good one. This will be a good at JMV 1070 night for you. More than likely. At any rate, you look back at the patience you thought you were going to have, and that's kind of how you look at it from a cult standpoint here. All right, we're going to show some patience, even though it's been six years of this type of decision-making, even though it's been, hey, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to be, only to end up with a massive failure. So you know that going in, At the very least, if you're going to get your rookie quarterback, if they're going to draft a quarterback and move forward, you have designs on showing some patience. But how much? And that's what I mean regarding the Pacers. They showed you reasons why things look pretty good moving forward in the first couple of months of the season. That is something that the Colts have to do this year, too. I'm not suggesting they're going to win the division, not at all suggesting they're going to go to the postseason, anything like that. But showing signs like we saw from the Pacers. In the Pacers' case, in the first two months of the season, kind of got you on board with it, got you forgetting about patience, got you excited about the product. You knew that the product was far from finished, but it got you excited about the product nonetheless. That is what the Colts are going to have to do. That's what this quarterback is going to have to do. That's why you can't wait for the better part of three years, even if the guy has a 79-inch vertical leap. you got to show signs this year. And try as you can with the level of expectations you're going to have going in to keep everybody's attention and give them reasons to care, just like the Pacers did. And now when you think about it, you're in the final, what, 18 or so games of the regular season for the Pacers. And I know everybody, especially the younger generation, drives me nuts here. I love you. You know I love the younger generation. I wish I was young again. But I I swear to you, if I were young again, I would not sit here and get a sports arousal every five minutes when they have an entertaining loss. 
Like, I was digging yesterday. I love yesterday. I'm not trying to get them into the postseason, but when you get in that situation, I want to see them grow. And how do you grow? By winning games. By closing it. When they came back from the All-Star break, Tyrese Halliburton had a similar end-of-regular-season possession, I should say end-of-regulation possession. And it looked kind of like yesterday. And that is the difference between making a shot and not. He, without a doubt, is their closer. And he closed that door yesterday. Against Boston, kind of the same thing. Settled for the same type of shot. And it missed. And Boston was too good. You knew once that thing got into extra time, it was going to be over. And the Pacers weren't going to win. But I like to see how they react. I like to see how they respond. Learn how to close games. I just don't worry about what percentage on the ping pong ball that blows out of this machine. Like it's a little bit after 10 on a weekday night on Fox 59. And here are your numbers. I I don't care so much about that. I want to see this group grow. They'll find other pieces. I frankly hope that you could find other pieces that already have experience in the NBA. That's my hope. You find some sort of wing, somebody that has maybe a defensive inclination within them to help out this roster. It still needs a lot of help. There's nothing wrong with what you saw yesterday. There's no Debbie Downer. Well, they won. Oh, no. Please don't give me that loser mentality. It drives me nuts. Even if you go, you'll tie yourself up in a knot trying to explain to me why I'm wrong and why you're right. You want to see... Moments like that, I tell you, if it were to happen tonight against the 76ers, you really want to see that because the Sixers are among the elite teams in the NBA. You'd really want to see that. Now, I thought yesterday was fantastic, and I am not going to move off of that. There's like two dudes in this draft coming up that move the meter whatsoever right now. And that's basically all anybody else could explain. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. The French guy and then that guy named Poot or Scoot or Scoop or whatever. That guy. You don't know anything else about this draft other than those two. Oh, yeah, and the guy coming out of Alabama. Yeah. Now, games like yesterday are important, and you saw that. That was a good thing. Here's the other reason. I loved it. I loved when Halliburton put that in Patrick Beverly's eye. And I know oftentimes everybody jokes about this tremendous pain in the ass. It's a punchline. This guy's always out there. This guy's always trying to be the proverbial thorn. He and Dylan Brooks are in some sort of competition as long as Patrick Beverly can stay in the NBA. They're in some sort of competition to be the biggest a-hole in the NBA. And I think we saw people finally getting to John Moran over the weekend and saying, okay, here's the deal. I, you got these other, and this is different too. This doesn't involve a firearm at a club. 
but you know these other guys can act like jackasses all they want it doesn't matter you're the one that's going to matter here right so people apparently already got to them but you got dylan brooks and then you got patrick beverly and this constant matchup to see who can be the biggest a-hole in the nba the reason why i loved yesterday afternoon last night in that close with halliburton and that jumper for the win was because it was right in patrick beverly's grill Right in his grill. And sometimes it does matter. More than money, more than sponsorships, more than marketing, more than this other crap. Sometimes it comes down to games where you just want to stick it to somebody. And Halliburton had every right to want to stick it to Patrick Beverly yesterday. Patrick Beverly, you talk about a punk move. You guys watch that? Did you guys, and I don't think much was made out of it. And much wasn't made out of it because it turned out that he was okay. And then he ended up hitting the game winner, which was even better. But Beverly tried to hurt Halliburton. I don't care what anybody says. He knew exactly where he was putting his foot when Halliburton came down from that jump shot. He knew exactly where he was going with it. He tried to create that contact. He tried to roll his ankle. I'm sorry. You watch it over and over again. That was purposely done. Halliburton, the Pacers, fans are lucky. That didn't turn out any worse than it could have been. There's your sign. I mean, you can say all you want and talk junk and all this, but that's the sign of you being a true a-hole right there. That was intentional. And you saw it intentional. And again, nobody said too much about it because they won, because he was okay. I think J.J. asked him the question after the game. Um, I, I forget how he described He described Beverly with something closeout. Was it an aggressive closeout? Is that how he described it? I, maybe it was an aggressive closeout. Now, it was beyond an aggressive closeout. He did that purposely. He did that purposely so Halliburton would come down and land on his foot. If I'm the NBA, I'm looking at that. I look at that even more. You're supposed to embrace your young stars like this, especially in a market like this, and you have some jackass that's purposely trying to hurt one of those type of guys. And again, he was okay. Everything was kind of laughed about. You know, you, you what you did is you 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 got your revenge on the floor, which is cool. But make no mistake, that's exactly what Beverly was trying to do. Trying to hurt him. Look back and watch that again. Pacers Sixers coming up later on tonight. 6.30, your coverage begins right here. That means we have a little bit of anything goes. As we'll go extra time in the 6 o'clock hour, I mentioned Jerry Palm of CBS, the Bracketology. She'll break it all down for us. What to expect. I know, I know, I haven't mentioned Indiana State. I haven't. <sighs> Here's the thing. And this sounds so bad. And really, you know what? This is not my opinion. This is probably what would have happened, but I wanted to see them play on Sunday on CBS. So the one seed Bradley beats them on Saturday and one semifinal on St. Louis by a point seventy-one to seventy. 
Corvassier, McCauley, just a great shot to give them a lead, and then a couple of free throws, and Bradley ends up winning. Now, truth be told, Indiana State would have been run nationally on TV on CBS like crazy. Drake, Drake is going to get somebody in the first round. Drake will get somebody. They have older shot-making type of guys that nobody ever talks about, nobody nobody ever pays much attention to. I believe they're in the top 25, though, at the start of the season. They're going to get somebody in the first round. So it probably would not have ended well yesterday on CBS for me with Indiana State, but, man, did I want to see them get back there. I did. I was ready. But, again, a shout-out to the Sycamores for winning a couple of games and, uh, I hate to say it, almost, almost getting to the Mo Valley Championship game on CBS yesterday, but would have probably had their doors blown off, much like the team that beat them did. So we can hit that at 239-1070. All right, I know everybody saw Will Ferrell over at the Beach Grove Walmart. Was it yesterday or this weekend? I didn't know, like, everybody in the world must still go to the Beach Grove Walmart. There's a thousand pictures on my Facebook page of Will Ferrell at the Beach Grove Walmart with a production crew out there filming something over the weekend. So if you saw Will Ferrell, shout out to you for seeing Will Ferrell. That is pretty awesome. Quick break, and we'll come back. We have Kiss Tickets, November the 25th. That's on a Saturday night. Gamebridge Fieldhouse, what is said to be their final tour. Kiss tickets all week long. We'll start that when we play a Kiss song. Caller 9 is going to get that opportunity to win those tickets and go again November the 25th. Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Kiss in what is supposed to be their final tour. Get your chance to win that coming up a little bit later on. Meantime, time for calls at 239-1070. Whatever you want to talk about, we can. That's coming up on the other side as well. Whatever you want to play off of as to what we had talked about, we can certainly do that. Derek Carr, quarterback, free agent, New Orleans. We can hit that. How hard Carolina is going to play this to get up to find their young quarterback. That and more. 239-1070, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. You can watch, listen, participate. HD Radio, the stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture me? No! The definition of the word idiot, which you f***ing are! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Got a young all-star in a market that you hope grows, small NBA market. So you got a journeyman jackass trying to take him out of that fashion yesterday. Come on, NBA. Come on. A journeyman jackass is what you got working there. That's what you want. Dr. Rob Bell says, I can't wait to be patient. (laughs) 
JMV, how about all this stuff with John Morant brandishing a firearm in a club with a month after allegedly someone at a party pointing at the Pacer? I'm telling you. NBA says, you know what? Everybody loves this player, but we got to step in here and do something about this. I, I guess if he, his team, his family can't help him with the best interest of the NBA, and they, listen, there's no way they don't, they know everything that's going on. They got. Thomas Magnum is running all over the place in the NBA, checking up on everybody here. They know. These guys know that they know. Got to step in and listen, if the people closest to him can't protect this particular investment, then maybe we should. Maybe we should. JMV, how about after throwing the ball at Halliburton's man region? I, I wasn't even so much. I thought that hit, that inbounds pass with Beverly, he threw it, and it looked like it nutted Halliburton. I don't think it nutted him. I thought it hit him in the lower stomach, which anywhere in that region, all the fellas out there can tell you, uh, anything that goes toward that region will cause you to react and respond, even if it doesn't come in direct contact even if you're not nutted, if it's anywhere near that property, that land, sometimes it feels like it does. And sometimes you even act like it does. I thought it hit it in the lower stomach. But there was certainly some reason behind it. He was trying to nut him. But beyond that, that's something you can get over that. But that ankle situation, sliding your foot in there when he's coming down purposely is a joke. Oh, that's just what he does. Pat Bev. Ha! Yeah. Yeah, real funny. The only thing, the only thing that really saved that is the fact that probably not a lot of people care. He's in Chicago and nobody cares. He was playing the Pacers yesterday afternoon, a Sunday afternoon. And then around here, the fact that the Pacers got over. Halliburton got over. But, man, that could have ended, ended badly. And no doubt. Jeff is at 239-1070 to start the day. Hello. Yeah, I want to talk about the Colts drafting up and giving up all those draft picks. If you look at the last three or four teams that have done it, they've not got the value out of it. I stay padded for if there's somebody we like, great. Um, Stroud is an Ohio State player. You know what our – luck is with Ohio State players and the jury's still out on fields. That's the only other Ohio State quarterback. Bryce Young's already been hurt in college. He's small. I would take the best offensive line or defensive line edge rusher this year. Sign Gardner Menchie, keep our picks, and then go after it hard next year when you have two franchise quarterbacks that will be coming out. You know, we good trade up now and we miss because none of them, from what you read, are franchise locks, and then everybody's going to be screaming that they screwed up. C.J. Stroud is the guy. I think Ballard's going to hang it for. You agree? I do. I want him to. Yeah. Ballard's going to hang it I for. Mean, we, you know, even if we get Stroud. What, was that, was or, that me talking you into that before no, you called, or no. was that was that your no. thought? That's, that's been my thought I all understand. along. Stroud is the best. 
But I also look at our offensive line that has a lot of holes. You get Bryce Young, he's going to get he's going to get killed. I'm not sold on Levis. Richardson's going to take too much time to develop. Who knows? We have too many other needs. And next year, you have two quarterbacks, North Carolina, USC, coming out that are franchise quarterbacks. Everybody's talking about them. This class, it's hit and miss. I think Stroud could be a good quarterback, but I don't want to give up the farm to get that this year. They want too much for it. I can't imagine. That would be, would you agree, Jeff, a 180 from Chris Ballard. Yeah. A 180 It would be. It would be. I just hope hope that Ursay doesn't push him into it because we have too many other holes, and you're going to have to give up too much. You know, the wide receiver free agent class this year is not great. We could very well lose Paris Campbell, who I'm not thinking is a one or two. He's probably a C player, but he's going to get A or B money. Jeff, anything else? I appreciate that. I tend to to agree in reality. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. And I just – I happen to think that both Young and Stroud, however, are going to be gone. You might get a third quarterback gone before the Colts end up drafting. But if that's the case, then you you take somebody like Menchu. You may not have a great year but you're going to get some great players because we've kept our picks and then we're ready next year to give up the farm to move up and we're ready to get a franchise quarterback. Jeff, thank you for the call. Do it again soon. See Fitz writes this. Well, a few friends and I have been debating all weekend over who the Colts should draft. They want Richardson. I want Stroud. Will you please settle this? Thank you. Yes, Stroud is more ready-made and they need more of somebody that is ready-made. I can't deny that Richardson has eye-popping athleticism, but Stroud is is ready for the now, and you are in an organization that needs to have a quarterback that, while as a rookie, is going to take lumps, but also will show some signs and is ready for the now. ready to show signs during the season. I just think it's going to be a much longer time, and if there are so many ways that one can go haywire, now we'll see. Because I can't imagine if they stay at four that Stroud is going to be anywhere near that particular neighborhood. Daniel Jeremiah says Colts would be one of the, one of the teams, along with the Panthers, that are more than willing to trade up. I I didn't gather that at all. If that's what they're thinking, if that's what Ballard was thinking, then he may be the best sandbagger possible last week because when we talked about we talked about shifting at all from what had been his thoughts, how he puts together a team, his philosophy of the past didn't sound like that he was going to veer too much away from what we had seen in the first six years. Doing something like this, multi-ones to get up to one, while I would love it, I can't sit here and tell you I believe that they're going to do it. Matthew's next at 239-1070. Hello, Matthew. Hey, JMV. Are you in uh, eight feet of snow in Maine right now or <laughs> not that much? What are we in? Uh, not that much. We got nine inches. That's tough. Here in central Maine. It is 70 degrees here on the circle in downtown Indy. And I know it's going to get much colder for the next week and a half or so, but I'm celebrating 70, degree, 70 degrees in the first few days of March. That's spectacular. It is 38 and windy. Yep. Yeah. You can have that. <laughs> you can keep it. You keep that there. 
What do you got? Uh, so yesterday was the first uh, IndyCar race the series down at St. Pete. Yes. Loved it until Scott McLaughlin got really impatient on those damn cold tires and took my guy out who I really thought was going to win the race. Did you enjoy? Uh, did you enjoy that first one in St. Pete? Was it fun to watch? Yes, I, it was. I, I'm surprised they only finished with like 13 or 14 cars, though. Insanity. Yeah, it um, it seemed to be a little wreck fest. I was listening to it early on. It seemed to be a little bit of a wreck fest early on. But listen, first race of the season. I think you could kind of expect that a little bit. Yeah, true. Matthew, anything else? Uh, how many schools from the state of Indiana do you think are going to be in in the tournament? Um, I'm going to give you. I'd like to see Ball State win the MAC, but as it stands right now, I'm going to give you two. Right. Two. That's what I'm. Needs to be more. Of. I'd like to see Ball State jump in there, though. Mike Lewis, get him in there. Like to see it. Agreed. Matthew, great call on Saturday night too. Tell your boss to keep that thing locked in, okay, on Saturday nights. All right, will do. You got it. Take it easy, Matthew. JMV, if the Colts stick at four, then their guy is gone. Would they consider trading back for a haul of picks? <laughs> Chris Ballard, Tom, was joking about that on Wednesday with me. And I said, I, yeah, I don't think too many people are going to find that funny. Now, I think we all assumed that because he was joking that there's no way in the world that he's going to do that, but it's Chris Ballard, so, you know, that to me would be less shocking. That trading back, Tom, with that in mind, would be less shocking than it would trading up and giving a haul multi-ones to get up to number one. That's the shocker to me right there. Less shocking would be to kind of go in typical Ballard fashion and trade back. All right, quick one. We'll come back. We got on holders. That airport Jimmy just phoned. Look at that. I'm looking at it right here inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Hold on a second. Can I get this up here? No. Cord's not long enough. Story of my life. I would get it up here and show you right now, but I can't. I guess I could tip the camera down there. But no, no, don't do that. I've got a lot of stuff right here. I don't want everybody privy to, if you know what I mean. Quick break, we'll come back. Query top of the hour. Jerry Palm is going to be in here as well from CBS, the bracketologist, and Stephen Holder in the five. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Stand by, Stryker. We're going to the tower. Good luck. We're going to the tower. The tower? The tower? Rapunzel! Rapunzel! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Are you OT? Are you the three seed? Boilermakers. Big 20-point lead. Lost. Regained. When they're the one seed, Boilermakers Friday around noon. IU coming up Friday around about 9.30 or so from the United Center. Both getting that double bye. 
Also, double by recipients inside the Big Ten, including Northwestern Brooks Barnheiser at 16 and the win on the road over Rutgers last night. And Michigan State's in there, too. Getting the double by. Butler, meantime, on Wednesday, the nine seed in the Big East Conference Tournament. Butler gets St. John's, St. John's, the eight. Again, coming up on Wednesday. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Cameron's been on hold for a while. Hello, Cameron. How are you? Hey, JMV. I appreciate you taking my call. You got it, buddy. To, um, quickly, just go over something with the Pacers. I totally agree about what you say with Miles tonight in the matchup with Embiid, and it seems like we never see them play against each other. And when um, we do, it's normally not very good. Yes, for me. For my Twitter account, it's not very good. I will say that. Yeah, absolutely. I just would want to see tonight. Um, I've watched almost every game this year, and I think their best play is the most simple play in the NBA, and that's just a high pick and roll with your two best players. Yep. Um, and I think that you're going to see a lot of that from Harden and Embiid tonight, and you're going to obviously see a lot of foul calls with Harden. And I just hope that Tyrese and Miles can kind of just stick it back to them and uh, run that high pick and roll, high pick and pop. I feel like Miles has been doing that a lot more lately and he's been like really efficient um on a couple of those like low post fadeaways can you see the difference though to when Halliburton's doing it I guess McConnell McConnell would run it and Miles would see it but literally nobody else outside of Halliburton McConnell ever even looks at him coming off that high ball screen and roll I mean, he knows pretty much if if it's Buddy Heald, he's not going to see it. If it's Andrew Nemhard, he's not going to see it. But when Halliburton's in there, that's why he's a difference maker because there is such a huge difference than anybody else. And I mean, a lot of those playing that position around the NBA, he's just a different level type of guy at a lot of things and certainly passing. Yeah, I definitely agree. And that's why he's obviously up there, like in the league leader and assist. Um, I don't know. I just I don't know if you've noticed this with Halliburton. Um, he, he he doesn't get for an All Star. I know it's his third year, and a guy who attacks the basket. He's still just like with Mather, and I know he's young. They still don't get the calls, and I, I get that they're superstar calls and and whatnot. But like Mather gets knocked off of his spot, or not Mather, and Halliburton gets knocked off his spot driving so much. And it's just frustrating to watch as someone who loves watching Halliburton play because I feel like if, if he, he he lacks aggressiveness at times, and I think that teams are in trouble when he really will start to get consistent and be aggressive, kind of like how you saw yesterday when he lit a little fire with Patrick Beverly. Um, I don't know. Have you ever noticed that Halliburton does get a lot of – like he doesn't really get that many calls when he drives to the Yeah, basket? because, I mean, we, we watch all these games and we see Jimmy Butler just basically dribble into people and get a call. You watch Luka, which uh, drives you insane, you know, just dribble into people and get calls. And I know these guys right now would probably be viewed – I don't know so much about Butler, probably, though, as far as his experience, be viewed differently. But, yeah, they they go in and they use their strength, right, their, their girth in the case of Luka – they use that just to drive into somebody and to get a call. And, you know, Halliburton right now just kind of bounces off of dudes and he doesn't get that call. Absolutely. And if I could just quickly say one more one more thing. Yep. Um, I totally agree with what you're saying also about them uh, with experience and winning games. And it's kind of a weird position for them to be in because, you know, the NBA takes – well, they don't take the top ten. But if you're that nine or ten seed, you automatically have a chance. You have no choice to maybe make the playoffs. And I just think they're in a weird spot with – they're a half game, basically a game and a half behind Washington to be the 10th spot. Yep. 
And if they somehow won that play-in game and got into the play-in game where the eight seed and, and say they played anybody but Milwaukee, I don't know. I really want to see that. I mean, I think they give Boston some trouble at times. I mean, we'll see what they do against Philly tonight. Milwaukee's whatever, but – any of those other teams, I would love to see them. Get Just in the see play, play hard and play to win. That's what it is. Play hard and play to win, and I'm fine with that. When you have the opportunity, Cameron, thank you for the call, too, to close like they did yesterday. Close it. Greg, I'm in agreement with you on this, too. Regarding the Colts, the Colts, you know this is going to happen, right? I'll tell you what. I'll tease this. We all know exactly what the Colts are going to do in the spring draft. What they're going to do regarding quarterback, what they're going to do as far as their selection is concerned. You already know that. But in case maybe you don't, I'll tell you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Can you fly, Bobby? Clarence, no! No! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Gary Rossington, the last of the originals of Leonard Skinner, has passed away at the age of 71. It happened within the past 24 hours. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, I want to get back to something that Sean had written. Sean said that he and his family got there at the Combine uh, for the festivities of the Combine at about 4.30. They were open until 6.30, and evidently they closed the doors and wouldn't let them in. Would not let them into the Combine because they were closed. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, in similar fashion, this kind of happened to part of the morning show team, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 here on the fan. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. This happened to Jake Query last week, right? They just well, wouldn't I let did. you in, much like Sean. <laughs> the difference being, Sean was not at fault. I, I guess I was, technically. Um, yeah, I got up. I think most people, well, I, you know, I mean, I don't know how many people that, that Hopefully, people that are listening in the afternoon also listen in the morning, but depending on people's schedules. But, yeah, I got up Friday, John, for the Combine. I knew that I had to go to the IndyCar race. Um, you know, I I flew out at, like, 3 o'clock on Friday for the IndyCar race in St. Pete, and so I thought there was a chance, you know, if I ended up getting stuck, not stuck at the Combine, but if I wanted to stick around or whatever and just go straight to the airport. So I got up and just kind of grabbed my credential and, took off while well, I had laid out my IndyCar credential the night before with that thought process and didn't even think about the fact at 6.20 in the morning that that's what I was grabbing and not my combine credential. So when I got to the combine, they said, um, you don't have your credential on. And I said, no, 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 I do. And I said, oh, well, that's for IndyCar. Does that count? And they wouldn't let me get a day credential or a reprint of the photograph that they had in their system of my credential without a police report of it being stolen. So I said, well, okay, let me start filing out the police report then if that's what you need. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. You do you, do you carry around a police report with you at all times? <laughs> well, I, so I said, okay. <laughs> Hold well, on a minute. I'll let me get that. If that's what it's got to take for me to get on the other side of that table so I can start my show here in 15 minutes. And she said, well, you've already told me that you didn't, that it wasn't stolen. So I'm not going to let you do that. You're going to have to go home and get it. 
So I went home and got it. Glad I didn't have to show my police report. Well, I see that 1984, you were riding a motorcycle across the trestle, the the (laughs) the railroad trestle. Wait a minute. Part of the whole story. (laughs) The best part of the whole story is I get, you know, I don't live too far, but it's pouring down rain and whatever else. And I get in my car and it's like 7.15 and Kevin had said like, well, Jake had to go get his credential. So I'm driving home. And I look down, and you're calling me. <laughs> and I'm like, can you believe this? And you're like, listen, <laughs> you were like Mickey with Rocky. With I know. Like, you're like, just keep your head about you. Yep. <laughs> just, like, don't go, don't, don't go, jackass. Right? It's gonna be all right. So yeah, you didn't have, so, uh, yeah. you didn't have the two uh, big interviews until the nine o'clock hour. So you could just uh, to chill out. The police report thing's kind of funny. I can imagine that. Wait a minute. Uh, what did you do here in 1982 when you were 12 throwing corn at cars during Halloween? Well, we can't let you in. <laughs> Wait a minute. The, the interesting <laughs> thing was I said, and I mean, listen, the woman had a job to do. I understand that. They have rules. I understand that. I was I was in the wrong. I mean, it was 100% my fault. But I will admit to the fact that you do kind of ask for a little bit of common sense leniency in that situation. But... But I did say to her, like, look, will it help if I can if I can get a hold of I won't say any specific names, but if I can get a hold of anybody from the Indianapolis Colts, come down and verify and walk me into the room, will that help? And she said, The Indianapolis Colts have nothing to do with this. This is hosted by the National Football. I love it. I love it. Man, she now, just shoved that right up your rear, didn't she? I, the only thing about it that was frustrating is I did go home and get it and whatever else, and that's fine. The rules are the rules. And then I go in there, and, like, I've got to step over, you know, nine mascots and 100 people with tickets from a local fast food restaurant that are walking around. You know, and I'm like, well, how do I not get in? I so wanted, I, I'd said this. Um, you should just grab somebody else standing there and said, hey, I will slide this back under the door as soon as I get in with this. You know? you know as well as I do, John, that the second I do that, then <laughs> the Colts go and draft C.J. Stroud, and they go to the Super Bowl <laughs> in his rookie year. Yeah. And Todd Meyer issues, you know, submits right. for credentials for all of us to go down there. And they tell me, uh, you can't go because the NFL said that you were, you know, whatever. So I thought, you know what, this is going to be an hour out of my time. And, and, and I thankfully nah. – Thankfully, everybody was pretty. That's a good job. Good job out of you right there. I got hassled when I was in London to get into Wembley, and I had all my credentials and stuff. They were just in a bit of a, a hassling mood right there. And I got, I literally sat down and started the pregame show um, as it was it was rolling. I thought I was going to miss a little bit of it, but uh, I, I, I did mean, not, the bottom so. line when it comes down to it yep. is that everybody has a job to do, and they want to protect the way that they're doing their job, and that's it's the way I, that it I, is. I yeah, I understand. I respect it. Yeah. So I um, I was talking about the quarterbacks and the job that they did. Everybody was thrilled about everything. Um, and people were thinking, all right, so Daniel Jeremiah says the Colts and the Panthers more likely to trade up so they can choose the quarterback of their liking. Um, I, I would be more floored if the Colts did that than if Chris Ballard traded back as he kind of joked about with me last week and you know what's going to happen they're going to stay at four and draft will levis aren't they that's what they're going to do i don't disagree with that at all i was told i think i mentioned this on the air this morning to kevin i was told on friday who knows there's so much poker that goes on but i was told by somebody they're like no jake i'm telling you i'm being totally serious 
Ursay loves Will Levis. Loves him. Loves his body size. Loves his arm. Loves his mature. Loves Will Levis. Ursay loves him. Now, it's going to be Ballard's pick. I personally would go with Stroud. I- I'm going to go back to what I've said all along, and that is the Colts have to assess whether or not the gap one to four in quarterbacks is greater than the gap of what they would lose by moving up. And if they feel like, you know, if they rate the four quarterbacks and they say, look, we feel like we've got a a 92, a 91, an 89, and an 88. Okay, then you stay at four and you take the 88 instead of giving up potential 92 for next year as well with your first rounder. You know what I mean? Like, you have to assess what what, what the cost is. And I personally think Richardson's the curveball in all of this to me, John, because to me, this was a, a kind of a three quarterback field. And then, and the Colts are sitting at four and you're hoping that only you're hoping that Arizona sticks there. And so therefore only three quarterbacks are taken in the top four. Well, now, you know, if you ask people, it's a four quarterback field because Richardson was so wowing at the combine. But the one thing where I would give pause is, and they've got to assess this, you know, the Colts need a quarterback that can play right now. And I think Richardson probably is the one that's going to need the most time to adapt. I think he's clearly he's very physically gifted, but he hasn't played the position a lot in terms of the, the timing and everything else. So, you know, he's the one that's the curveball in all of this. But I go back to my, my theory if I was a GM, and I'm not, and there's a reason I'm not. But if I was, I would say I would be very hesitant for it's falling in love with the prospect that I only lukewarm liked when they were actually playing games. I would be very hesitant to fall in love with a guy and allow myself to kind of be duped just by what takes place at the combine. Because you got to play the game. I mean, there are, there's a long, 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 long list of guys that looked phenomenal in the comp. Lila McElroy got a standing ovation in the combines when he did his 40 as a running back. And the Colts got him as a journeyman like three years later, you know, after four teams or whatever. There's a long list of guys that, you know, at the Underwear Olympics look fantastic, and then they go out there and they look like they're playing Battle of the Network Stars. So you got to weigh it out. Yeah, I just I, – I would agree with you on the clear-cut thing. I just I, – I can't sit here and imagine that Chris Ballard is going to fork over as much that reportedly Ryan Poles and the Bears want to get up to number one. And I don't disagree about Will Levis. I just think that they're going to stay there, and that's who they're going to end up drafting. And we're all at the end of this. Once that draft occurs, we'll say, oh, yeah, we could have gone with that right at the start because that's what they were thinking. That's my theory sitting here. Yeah, I could see that. I could absolutely see that. And I do think that they may see more in Levis than others do. I don't know that, but I do think that's fine. Levis, I think, has a lot of – you know, I, I, again, I think I mentioned it to you, John. I can't remember what scout I was reading that said that Levis may have the upside of a Matthew Stafford in terms of the arm strength, but the decision-making and the the leadership of a Carson Wentz. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably not the name you want to be throwing around around here. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens, right? But they need a guy that's going to be – whoever it's going to be is going to be able to play right away. Somebody said the Wentz leadership right to you? Who yeah. said that? Who said that? No, no, I read it. I read. Oh, it you read it. CBS okay. Sports. Yeah, I read it on one of the one of the pages. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how you can even draw that conclusion. 
Well, I think they were saying that's the floor. Like, that's oh, what Carson Wentz has okay. become, right? Like, Carson Wentz is now the quarterback that people's floor is rated to. Like, you might be getting Matt Stafford, <laughs> but you might be getting Carson Wentz. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I might be selling you a Ferrari, might be selling you a Pinto. You know, who knows, right? After I talked to Chris Ballard on Wednesday, I just came to the conclusion that a lot of his thoughts, his philosophies the way that he draws up and believes a team can win at the highest level a lot of what we thought may adjust and or change after the first six years won't that's what i gathered from that yeah i mean he 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 said the right things in terms of being open towards tweaking the way that he's built rosters but I mean, they're pretty dug in. The, the, the thing that I mentioned to Kevin this morning, John, and I think you and I have talked about this, but this would be my – concern's the wrong word, but what intrigues me for the Colts is if you look at the Colts' best players and their cornerstone players right now, you know, a guard – I mean, we know who the players are. We've gone over that. Pitt, you know, Pittman, Leonard, Nelson, Taylor, obviously. But those are all guys that are – that have been in the league for a few years, and in the case of a couple of them, have already overcome injuries not once but twice. So you're drafting a quarterback that probably, no matter which one you're talking about, is going to be three to four years from really hitting their stride. Well, then you got to reset all of your cornerstone pieces because those guys are on their way out at that point. So the timing is going to be really challenging for them. And that's the one thing that I've said many, many times, but the one thing that Bill Pulley and I think did that was masterful was when he drafted Peyton Manning, he, you know, they had Torrance small. They had obviously Marvin Harrison was a young player coming off the shoulder surgery, but you know, they had some, some receivers there, but he was like, look, you know, Marshall Falk for crying out loud. And Falk still had very, you know, obviously great years in him, but Falk was on the downside by the time Manning was really hitting the stride. And so Bill Pulley and said, I'm going to, flip Falk and get a younger running back that's going to be hitting his stride at the same time as Peyton Manning. And I'm going to draft Reggie Wayne, even though we have Marvin Harrison. So there's another receiver guaranteed to be hitting his stride at the same time as Peyton Manning. And I'm going to draft the tight end. And so now all of a sudden you had all of these marquee positions that were literally like the Clydesdales. They were all running in perfect symmetry of one another. And that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But that's really hard to do. Yeah, it's we'll see. We got a long way to go. That's just kind of what I gathered by talking to him last week. And it's going to take a lot for me to move off of that because I just I don't think all of a sudden things are going to change as drastically as some people around here would like to see them change. Jake Query, the morning show, Kevin and Query. That's 7 until 10 a.m. weekday mornings here on The Fan. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Do we know? Do we even fair a guess, or is this one of those dartboard situations in terms of who is going to end up winning the Big Ten Conference Tournament, especially as we focus in on both Purdue and IU? Because I don't have a great idea, uh, visions of greatness, or you know, teams incredibly disappointing in this. I guess Purdue could disappoint by virtue of what they became, but this is like a box of chocolates to me going into oh. later on this week in Chicago. I, th- I don't remember if it was Kevin or, or Derek Schultz that said to me, and it's a great, it's a, it was a great point. If I gave you the double by teams, you know, the top four seeds, which would be what Purdue Northwestern, Indiana, and yeah. Michigan, and Michigan state. state. Yeah. in Michigan state or the field, you're probably 50, 50 safe either way. Right. I yeah. mean, 
because I don't think this is going to happen. I've thrown it out there for fun, so I guess I'll stick by it. But take a team like Iowa. If Iowa catches a hot streak and shoots like they did in Assembly Hall the other night, Iowa could win it. Maryland is terrible away from home, but if they can play the way they have defensively, you know, they could make a deep run. I don't know if they'd win it. They could make a deep run. I, you know, Illinois. I, I mean, Michigan, this is like the prime kind of year where Michigan sneaks up because you, you see Michigan as being the Michigan-Rutgers game probably at least for Michigan is a play-in game to get into the tournament. And this is the kind of year where Michigan all of a sudden, at least when Beeline was there, would get hot and win three in a row. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, Michigan's in the Big Ten championship game? Yeah, I would agree with you. I think it's wide open, absolutely wide open, because you have a team in Purdue that dominated all season long, but feels like their most vulnerable time has been the last three weeks. Yeah, I'm Indiana's glad. Indiana's Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's tough to call. Yeah, I'm glad they're utilizing uh, Brandon Newman in the fashion in, in which they are, because that's something I, I had talked about here. But you look at you know both Smith and you look at Lawyer. And, you know, Matt has been on this show talking about, you know, you know, guys being grinded and kind of tired this time of year. Those guys look it a little bit, too. I mean, those they look it. I, I thought that, you know, against Michigan State a couple of weeks ago, I thought the trace for IU looked gassed. I just wonder who's going to get on a run. And, and here's how you get on a run is you make shots. You make shots. You feel good about yourself. And then when you feel good about yourself, the tired – the grind, all that kind of goes away when you feel good about yourself. So we'll see if either one of these teams have that in them here moving forward. But, man, right now you, you look across the board and nobody really stands out, Jake. I, the, I mean, you know, if you look at the projected number one seeds overall, I, does you, I don't know anything about UCLA because I don't watch a lot of West Coast basketball. I think they're obviously well coached. But UCLA is not slotted as a one seed. I, could UCLA win it all? Sure. But do they have – I mean, is Kansas the front runner? Okay. Houston can guard the heck out of people, but do you see them doing it for six straight games? So the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament, both to me, John, totally wide open. Absolutely wide open. And, I mean, you know – to me, it's fascinating. It's intriguing. It doesn't. It feel like you tell me, John. It feels to me like both the tournaments, the the conference, and, you know, college basketball in general. And this is probably the door we've walked through now because of the transfer portals, because of the one and done. No doubt for all of the different factors. This is probably how it's going to be now, right? Just this round robin carousel of the the carousel spinning and whichever of the top four doesn't puke wins it, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you get, I mean, you get all these. You know, these power conference teams, you know, looking over the landscape of, of guys playing in in uh, in lower leagues as to how they can get them at the transfer portal and getting them. Um, Robbie Avila, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. He's the freshman over at Indiana State. He's 6'9", 6'10", wears those glasses and can shoot from outside. I can't imagine that that Josh Schertz, the head coach, is going to have to fight tooth and nail to probably keep him around, I would imagine, as a big guy that shows promise as a freshman and can shoot, can face up, and has a little game inside with his back to the basket. It's just it, – it is such a different landscape with the transfer portal in mind, and you're going to see a lot of that going on just to see who can who can hang around. So, John, 
college basketball is if it's not already there, it is quickly becoming this. And that is college basketball is a professional league with one year with free agency after each year. Exactly what it is. Because every people don't, I don't think people realize that division one scholarships are year to year contracts. The school can release you out of your scholarship at any time. So the player is like, well, hell, okay. Now, I mean, that's more so the case in the lower sports than basketball, but still, you know, and I know there's set out rules and things like that, but, but yes, the the challenge for the mid majors now is going to be exactly that. I mean, if you get a guy, you know, like Steph Curry, when Steph Curry played at Davidson, there's zero chance. I mean, I, I, I shouldn't say that. I'm not saying that about Steph Curry's someone of Steph Curry's offensive production at Davidson during the time in which he played in today's day, a guy like that that slips through the cracks recruiting wise and ends up Davidson and is putting up 27 a game and can score from anywhere and is carrying his team to the elite eight. The next year he's gone. He's getting, if he's not going pro, he's getting $900,000 in NIL money from a big time ACC or big 10 program, right? That's the challenge these schools are going to run into. So, Jay Cray, the morning show with us. IU Michigan goes to overtime. Biggest shot of the game, and I know that it, it, the overtime saw, even though not from the free throw line, being 0 for 4 down the stretch, but saw some big moments from Race Thompson. But the biggest shot of the game, 59 seconds remaining, Jalen hood with that three that he got. He got a little window of a look right there and buried that to tie it at 69. That, to me, was the biggest shot of the game. Yeah, and – John, we talked about this last week. Indiana's going to have to go as Jalen Huchipino goes. Trace Jackson Davis, you know exactly what you're getting every game. You write it in for 27 and 10, game in and game out. What makes them run is how they shoot from the outside. And and the mid-range game of Jalen Huchipino. I mean, that's if, if Indiana's going to make a run in the tournament here, Jalen Huchipino is going to consistently be that player. We know he's got it in him. There's no doubt he's got that talent. And make no doubt about it, this is his only NCAA tournament with Indiana. And so it's going to come down to that. And I think he's a tremendous talent. And I think it's really come together for him. The question now is simply the consistency of the outside shot. He is going to eventually develop a deadly outside shot, probably. He's got a great body for his mid-range game. But that's all going to happen while he's getting paid millions of dollars. That's when that's going to develop for him. Indiana's got to hope, at least for now, that he can put it together for, you know, an eight-game stretch here. All right, Big Ten numbers. All right. Trace Jackson Davis, 21-8. Zach Eady, 21-9. Trace Jackson Davis, 12-4. Zach Eady, 13-1. Trace, nearly five assists per game. Zach, uh, about one and a half per game. Blocks per game, 2-9, Trace and Zach Head-to-head, obviously, IU with a couple of wins. Who's the Big Ten player of the year? Do those stats matter? They do. They do matter. They equate to a tie. And in that case, the tiebreaker goes to the one whose team won the title. So Zach Eady is your Big Ten and National Player of the Year. I, I bet you that's kind of how it's going to go down right there. I yeah. do. But those, by the way, those were numbers Big Ten. I believe Big Ten numbers only. But – this worth a little bit of a IU Purdue argument if you wanted to stake your claim to that. I mean, towards the you know it's interesting because in totality Zach Eady probably had better help around him, 
But in terms of the better Robin, Trace Jackson Davis did. Maybe not with consistency, but Trace Jackson Davis is the only of the two. I mean, of the two teams, the only one probably that's going to have a guy playing in the league next year is Indiana, and it ain't Trace Jackson Davis. So he might have had the better running mate, but it wasn't. But but it wasn't with consistency. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis gets a lot of credit for the fact that he's getting doubled every night. So too is Zach Eady, but teams had to be a little more honest with Eady. I don't know that it would have made a difference though, because of his size and his agility and his the heart. The best thing about Zach Eady, and the same is true of Trace Jackson Davis. But the best thing about Zach Eady that I can say is a lot of times guys like that they they have to learn where the rim is at all times and where they are in proximity to the rim. Zach Eady never ever loses sight of where the rim is in comparison to him. He has a great feel for where the basket is at all times. And so, therefore, you know, Rich Smith used to kind of get lost, right, where he'd get the ball on the low block, he'd turn around, and, like, he, he, his depth was off. He didn't realize how close or how far back he was, early in his career at least. Zach Eady, it's unbelievable. I mean, no matter where he is, he knows exactly how much touch to put on it, how much push to put on it, whatever it might be. So he's virtually unstoppable. When he's in rhythm, he is, and Indiana found that out, he is virtually unstoppable. Well, we can look deeper into that, too, with efficiency numbers. And this, again, is just for the, the Big Ten conference portion of the season. But that and I think Trace was like fifth in the Big Ten in assists, right? Big Ten conference season in assists. I'd have to look that up, but I believe that to be true. That's he, kind of he's amazing. Had, he's had one of the most remarkable single seasons in IU basketball history, yeah. quite frankly, Trace Jackson Davis. It's been, I mean, it's been a, a joy to watch. He's been nothing but a good citizen and a good ambassador for – as a Mr. Basketball and a representative of the state in Center Grove in Indiana, I mean, he's been a great player, no question. I, I certainly, I do think that he's going to get, um, you know, he's obviously going to get an opportunity in the NBA. I, I hope it's. He reminds me of a Carl Landry. I remember when Carl Landry, you know, you didn't think Carl Landry was going to be a great NBA player, but he was an unbelievable rebounder that could, that, that always would finish around the rim, and he made a ten-year career out of it, or however long he lasted. He played the NBA a long time. And I think Trace Jackson Davis situationally could be the same guy. So Jake Query, the morning show, Kevin and Query, seven until ten AM weekday mornings here on the fan. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'll uh, get a run here, but uh IndyCar opener was enjoyable as it seemed. A little wreck fest going on, but I guess we could understand that. We'll have more time to talk about that in the future. But uh It was fun to watch for sure. Marcus Erickson with the win, but Scott McLaughlin, Roman Grosjean among those and Pato Award to put out, send out notice that they're here to stay and Scott Dixon's not going anywhere either. So it should be a fun year. Jake, I appreciate you, man. All right. We'll see you, John. Jake Query of the morning show. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Your calls. Jerry Palm's going to join us coming up on the other side. Jerry from CBS Bracketology, that department. He'll tell us what teams have to do, where teams are slotted, and what could take place in these conference tournaments moving forward. Jerry Palm's with us next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. You are more reptile than man. 
George, so low and flat that the foot of man is incapable of crushing you. How dare you? 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, coming up here at the top of the hour. We're going to be discussing the Colts quarterback selection coming up in the spring at nauseum, by the way, too. Players getting the franchise tag, free agency is on the way. I thought Jim Mercy tweeted this out. Over 1,600 media credentials were handed out for the 2023 NFL Combine here in Indy. Back in 1987, that was year one here. Zero. Zero. So, wow, 1,600 in all over the course of last week and the weekend. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, bracketologist for CBS. We know him well. Jerry Palm is with us. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm fine. I was not one of the 1,600. You weren't. Did you? Um, I, was, I was not there. Have you been to the Combine before in your no, life? I, no. It's, well, busy. it's usually at a bad time for me to even consider going, and I don't think it's the kind of thing I would do anyway. Um, I know a little bit of your background. So to become a bracketologist right there, are you just good analytically speaking with numbers? Are you high level, elite level numbers guy? Well, yes, I suppose. But Son of a gun. That's not really. I'm jealous. That's not really it. It's more about understanding the process and what's important and how to apply it. Um, you know, it's still a subjective process. You can't just sit there and look at numbers and and make decisions, you have to actually watch these teams play because the committee's watching them play. So, not, but I'm one guy, not 12, so it's hard. And, you know, I've got family and stuff. <laughs> I can't watch everybody. <laughs> but, you know, I watch as much as I can. And, uh, you know, there's subjective judgments involved, and I try and see where they might, you know, go with someone whose resume maybe isn't quite as good because subjectively they just might think of that. Is there a team right now that you're skeptical with because you you feel, and maybe you're doubling back and watching some games too, but you feel you just haven't seen enough of their body of work? Is there a team like that out there right now? Um, I, was, I would say some of the Mountain West teams because they play late. Sure. Um, I, I've, I have actually focused on trying to stay up late and watch the, those games in Boise State, Utah State, um, Nevada. Um, you know, teams like that, I don't get to see as much of the West Coast. Um, Baga, St. Marys, you know, it's not too hard to find a Pac-12 game, but even those are, you know, during the week they're pretty late. Um, but I've, I've seen, I think, most of the contenders now in those, in that part of the country. Uh, and then the smaller schools. I mean, the only time you ever get to see some of these smaller schools is during their conference tournaments, because otherwise I don't get much TV. So, um, you know, trying to watch uh, some, some of these teams that uh, you only get to see this week or last right yeah yeah i mean simo for example drake's probably something you've seen more than that drake drake was a ranked team to start and then had some trouble midway through and then caught five they're going to win a first round game and i'm sure we'll get that coming up in just a minute jerry palm joins us i did want to add to this when you have a season where obviously everything's kind of bunched together i mean there's not too much clear cut going on here does that make it more difficult to do what you do in a season like this yes because normally we can just write in ink a two or three of the number one seats and it's and you know and we could have done it a month ago because everybody saw it coming you look at these teams and you think 
they're probably going to the Elite Eight because they're not going to see anybody who can beat them until then. Now, you know, this year, all of the potential number one seeds have got enough, you know, matchup issues with certain teams that you can't say that about any of them. You know, there's there's just no overwhelming favorite or two or three in this bracket, which should make for a very interesting tournament and make it kind of hard to predict which teams might get seated at the very top. It is weird. I have described this season the Big Ten Conference, and I have really associated that with the national landscape because they're very similar. There's just a lot of teams kind of bunched together. But in terms of the winner, with Purdue in mind, Jerry, uh, right now on that one line, what do they have to do to maintain just the minimum? The minimum in this conference tournament they need to do to maintain that one line? Win it. Probably have to win it. To stay there? It's really competitive up there. I mean, they they could not win it and still be a one. But if they win the conference tournament, they will be a one. So, you know, but the, the minimum, once you, once you don't do that, then you're depending on what other teams do. And as soon as you start depending on what other teams do, stuff happens. So you now that tends to be a bigger problem at the bottom of the bracket where the teams are all the equally bad but in different ways, you know, as opposed to the top where you, you really got like maybe six or seven teams that could make a case for a one seed and produce one of them, um, which is why they may not have to win the tournament. But the only sure thing is to win the tournament. Who's breathing down their neck the most right now from that two UCLA. line? Um, and you can see one of those teams that I was kind of talking about where subjectively people watch them play and like them and think they're pretty good. You look at their resume, they've got one win better than Kentucky, which is like a seven seed right now. And that, that was a Kentucky team that didn't know what they were doing yet. Um but, you know, so UCLA, though, I mean, I saw them live. I saw them in L.A. when we were out for the football championship. And, you know, that's a good team. They've got veteran guards. I mean, there's a lot to like about that team. Um, but they don't have a resume that stacks up because of strength of schedule with, you know, Purdue and Kansas and Alabama. Uh, it's a better schedule than Houston, of course, um, which only has two losses. But, you know, Texas is in this picture as well. So it's just – you know, at that win over Arizona at home, which was is really nice for them. For me to make a case as a number one seed, I'd like to see them beat them again on a neutral court in the conference tournament. Um, if they don't get a shot at them or, you know, lose before they get a shot at them or lose to them, um, I think it's hard for them to be a one. So Jerry Palm of CBS, bracketologist on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How you gauge Marquette right now on your two-line? And you, you, you got UConn and Xavier. They're there, but not in, in close proximity. How are you, you viewing Marquette to this point moving forward? Boy, yeah, that's a team that nobody really expected uh, to be what they are. They lost at home to Wisconsin early on. Uh, Purdue beat them in non-conference play at, at Mackey. Uh, but they went out and won the Big East, which is really competitive. They've got five uh, very good teams in that league. Uh, Providence has fallen off a little bit, but that's what happens when you have five pretty good teams. Somebody's going to suffer for it, and Providence is the one that's suffering. But Creighton, Connecticut, Xavier, all having terrific seasons, and Marquette has emerged as the best of that bunch. Um, you know, And they picked up uh, you know, some good wins also away. Like, they beat – I mean, away from the league, they, they beat Baylor and that's, that's a two or three seed level team as well. So, you know, Mark Shock has done a great job with that team. 
Uh, I don't know that he was ever a great fit at Texas, which is an underestimated uh, part of coaching hires. Is you got to be a good fit at your school, but um, he's uh, found a home in, in uh, Milwaukee at Marquette and, and is doing a great job there. The bracketologist for CBS Sports. It is Jerry Palm on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I got a similar question regarding IU as I asked you earlier about Purdue. How do they maintain? this four line if you're IU going into the Big Ten Conference Tournament? Well, they may not have to do as much to maintain it. In fact, if they won the Conference Tournament, they could conceivably move up. It depends on who you play to get there. And, uh, you know, like, obviously the the best win you can get in the Big Ten is Purdue, but if someone were to beat Purdue before IU played them, that doesn't help them as much. It helps if they're the team that beats Purdue a third time. Um, So, you know, that's but they could they could even move up from four uh, to maintain it. I mean, you know, you're talking about losing at some point, and then it depends on what other teams do, because you can't analyze seeding in a vacuum, uh, because it's never just about you. Rutgers and Michigan coming up on Thursday in Chicago. Or is that a, an elimination game of sorts here? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I have Rutgers further down the the list than I do Michigan, which is my last team in. Um, but I don't see how Michigan makes a tournament if they lose. And, you know, Rutgers definitely won't make the tournament if they lose, and they might not even make it if they win. Uh, it's also possible for Michigan to win and not make it. But it's, you know, the, so it's not a get, the win doesn't guarantee anything other than a chance to live and fight another day. Uh, but the loss is going to eliminate the loser. A lot has been made with the ACC conference tournament in Greensboro kicking off tomorrow um, regarding North Carolina and the the work that they need to do coming up here in the latter portions of this week. What do you think that they, they have to do to even get in at this point? Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, their biggest problem is they're like one in nine against quad one teams, and that's – pretty good evidence that you can't beat good competition on a regular basis. And I mean, they've got a home win over NC state that's quad two and they'll, they'll go to the tournament. NC state will, but you know, North Carolina just can't seem to get the wins they need home or away. And now, you know, they, in the conference tournament, they have a bye, So they'll get a uh, Boston college game winner. And I, if I forget who they play, it might be Florida state or uh, um, no, I think it's Florida state. Or Louisville, um, yes. But you know, that, but that's a game that doesn't help them. That that that's just you got to win that game so you can get to the teams that do help you. And for them, the next game would be Virginia, a team they beat at home. They're one quad one win. Now, if they can get it on a neutral court as well, you know that would be a boost for them. Might be enough to put them in, uh, as long as they don't take a loss to somebody that's non-tournament team. And you've got so much of that in the ACC this year. Their their next game after Virginia could be Clemson. Well, Clemson's got to win some games to try and get in too. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, a loss to Clemson would hurt them. And if they get by Clemson, well, then, you know, they could be in the championship game and and have an opportunity to win their way in. Uh, If they get that far, beating the best teams they can, they'll probably get in anyway. It is uh, Jerry Palm with us. A friend of mine's Dusty May. He's the head coach of Florida Atlantic out of Conference USA. Yeah. Top 25 team for a lot of the season, especially in the past couple of months. Are they going to get an at-large regardless here, or do they need to to win or certainly maybe even win that tournament? Um, I would recommend win the tournament. Uh, I wouldn't rule out an at-large. They've got a couple of, uh, of teams in their league that give them, um, you know, like – 
quad one or two wins like UAB and North Texas. And by the way, those are the teams that they can afford to lose to. I don't think they can afford to lose to anyone else. Uh, but Florida Atlantic, it's, it's funny because they have a pretty gaudy net ranking. They're in like the top 20 of the net. Um, but, you know, the, the the league, their schedule doesn't really measure up to that. But they win big, which is you know, the net cares more about winning big than just winning. Um, but, I mean, they've had a really good year. They'll be dangerous to somebody if they get in the tournament, but their best wins are North Texas and UAB. So yeah. those are league games. They didn't beat anybody outside the league that gets the committee's attention, and that could be a problem for them if it's necessary. It's one of those things, too, where you know maybe maybe in the longer term, you, you, well, certainly you have second thoughts about how you schedule, I guess, right? Well, I guess. I mean, you know, you have to – scheduling is an art as yeah. much as it is a science. Um, like, you know, they, they scheduled Mississippi. Well, Mississippi turned out not to be good. Now, maybe they shouldn't have thought they were good. Um, Florida, they, they played a game at Florida, which you would think, well, Florida's usually pretty good. Well, they weren't this year. Uh, they won that game, not helping them much because Florida's not that good. So, uh, you know, it's, you know, those aren't bad games to schedule. And, uh, you know, it's not easy to get games when you're the Florida Atlantic of the world and people think you can beat them on the um, But it's still a, uh, yeah, scheduling is a common complaint for the Florida Atlantics of the world because teams that can help them don't really want to play them. Is um, especially for for teams like that. We, we talk about the transfer portal and how it affects their personnel. Certainly now, year to year. Sure. How does it now affect their scheduling? That has to make that even more difficult now, year to year. Especially yeah, if you believe really... you have a good team. Well, right. Um, yeah, I think for scheduling, you know, most most teams have a pretty good idea. Uh, well, the scheduling bit is like football. They schedule like 10 years out. Basketball, you only have about half of your schedule that you can schedule for the next year. You've got openings and, and some of the other stuff. You've had two or three-year contracts that are still around. Um, so you, you have some flexibility. But and you'll have most teams will have a good idea. I mean, there's always surprises. But we'll have a good idea who they're going to have at least coming back when they schedule. So uh, And, of course, who, they, who they've recruited. But um, but if you're yeah if you're going to take a transfer, you know like Purdue got David Jenkins this year probably after they had their schedule put together or mostly put together for this season and uh, you know he's been a pretty good contributor for them but they were looking for a guard that whole time but they couldn't wait to see if they were going to get one before they. So Jerry Palm of CBS he's the bracketologist and he is going to take a long vacation, I'm assuming <laughs> coming up after this coming Sunday right long vacation. Well, I- no, well, if you consider going to the tournament vacation, then um, oh, that's a good vacation we, right there, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll be I'll be bouncing around weekend to weekend and uh, following the tournament along, and um, and then uh, the vacation won't come until April. All right. Well, enjoy it whenever you do. Hopefully, we we cross paths again. But great job in, in doing the bracketology every year, and thanks for hopping on here. All right. Thanks for having me on. That's uh, Jerry Palm right there, CBS Sports. He's the bracketologist. Back to back. Bracketologist last Monday, Joe Lenardi. This Monday, Jerry Palm. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Quick break, we'll come back. Stephen Holder about what last week told us, maybe as far as the Colts moving forward with a quarterback. That's and your calls at 239-1070. Your chance, by the way, too. Kiss tickets, November the 25th, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. When you hear a Kiss re-entry song, that's your cue to call. 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. At JMV1070 on Twitter, that's from Jimmy. I heard you mention SEMO, Southeast Missouri. My alma mater, go Redhawks. They're the Indiana State of Missouri. If you can't get in anywhere else, go to SEMO. <laughs> yeah, that was a wild game with Tennessee Tech. Wild game. Went into overtime. A little bit of a reviewing going on. Last second shot, thought it was three from Tennessee Tech, only worth two overtime. Wild game, wild game it was. Uh, Big Ten Conference Tournament, Purdue the one seed, IU is the three seed, Northwestern the two, Michigan State the four. Later on this week up in Chicago, 8-9 game, Butler's the nine. They're going to face off coming up on Wednesday in the Big East Conference Tournament against St. John's. St. John's checking in as the eight seed. So a lot going on, a lot this weekend. NFL Combine happening too. We'll get back into that quarterback conversation for you and and the Pacers and the Sixers coming up from Gamebridge Fieldhouse later on tonight. 6.30 coverage begins, which means this is pretty special. You've got a little bit of time after 6 with me. That's time enough for Anything Goes coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. And for those that are on social media, this is a great night to be at JMV 1070 because we're going to get Embiid and Turner that's going to be a good night to be around my Twitter account. I'm promising you a great deal of enjoyment. Uh, JMV, I know you watch the show you call The Rest of Us or The Last of Us. Did you watch the episode last night? I did. I did watch it. Did you watch it last night, James? It was weird. I didn't quite know what was going on, I don't think. It was one of those where there was a lot of talking and a lot of dialogue, and then it got really juicy toward the end. One episode remaining of the rest of us on HBO. Other side, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com. What he saw at the Combine, what we should expect after the Combine in terms of potential Colts quarterbacks coming up as well. 93-5107, the fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Just an average guy with exceptional hair. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jerry Palm, CBS Bracketologist. Jake Query, morning show co-host here on The Fan. Kiss tickets. This is not Kiss, by the way. November 25th, Gamebridge Fieldhouse, what is supposed to be their final tour. Your chance to win your cue to call to beat number nine. I'm assuming we'll come up later on this hour when you hear a Kiss re-entry song because we got Sixers Pacers play, which is officially underway with the pregame show at 6.30 tonight. We've got a little bit of extra time after 6 for some Anything Goes to throw at you. So we shall be ready 
for that. 239-1070 if you want to jump on board right now. And, of course, a lot going on, including the Combine, which is in the books now for 2023. Last week and into the weekend, and to help dissect all of it from ESPN.com, Stephen Holder's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So, did you have a change of opinion? Now, again, uh, this is just all us throwing a dart at a dartboard right now because things may drastically change. But if you wanted a quarterback, one of the quarterbacks coming up in the spring draft, did this combine change your mind on any level? Hello, Stephen Holder. I don't hear Stephen Holder right there. Ah, gotcha. There you he is. What? There it's, you it's go. Funny, the mute button mutes you. It does. It does not it's allow you to be heard. Works. So yes, we got to have you heard. Go ahead. It's, it's weird how that works. Anyway, uh, I would say I don't think I had a dramatic change, but I will say I do think that as time goes on, I am starting to ask more and more questions about C.J. Stroud and and certainly uh, Anthony Richardson. And I, I just wonder, here's the thing. Let's say Bryce Young is the top quarterback taken. And I'm not entirely sure that's going to be the case, but let's say for argument's sake that that speculation is true. I don't know. If the cost is going to be uh, higher than we think or higher than we thought, I should say, because it looks like there are a lot of parties that are getting a little uneasy here, and that's going to drive the price up. Now, the Bears are telling any and everybody that it's going to cost a fortune and they have all these offers and they are playing this the way they're supposed to play. Right. You see the reports and we know where they're coming from. It's coming from Chicago. They're driving up the price. That's what they're supposed to do. I saw, by the way, Matt Eberflus, their head coach at the bar at the uh, JW Marriott the other day, scarfing down a salad. And I told him, I said, you guys are playing this pretty well. (laughs) And he, he got a chuckle out of that. But anyway, Let's say that's true. Let's say it's going to be expensive. I don't know. What I would say is that I I don't feel like you can – I don't feel like it's a loss necessarily uh, winding up with a C.J. Stroud or an Anthony Richardson if he's your cup of tea. You know, I I have less of an opinion on Will Levis because I haven't spent as much time thinking about him or watching him, but I I just think – there may not be as much room between these guys as maybe we originally thought. So, so my, my change of thought or my evolution is not so much because of the combine, but just overall time just kind of giving us a better perspective on all of this. So I'm sorry for the long answer, but I hope that helps. Yeah, well, and we'll start right here because if there is anywhere in the neighborhood of that price tag that Ryan Poles put out there, that um, the Bears want for number one overall. We, we both know six years or not, change in philosophy or not, there's no way Chris Ballard's paying that. I don't think. Do you? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, listen, I, I agree that this is a very pivotal moment for him. I don't disagree with that. And I do agree that he will perhaps do something out of character because it's a little bit of a, I don't want to say desperate, but it, it's a big moment, right? So I, I do think that that maybe the past expectations of Chris Ballard might not apply here. I totally agree with that. That being said, there's, there's doing something that's out of character, and then there's doing something 
that you could never possibly envision someone doing. And what I can't envision Chris Ballard ever doing is giving up three first-round picks for anybody, not named our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay? It's like, I don't, I don't understand. I, I can't even envision that. I, I don't even know what that would look like. I, I just I don't see it. I just don't. And so, again, this could just be posturing, and that's what we have to find out. Are the Bears posturing? Do they not have you know, those kinds of offers? Are people not beating their door down? You know, that's what remains to be seen. You know, it's funny. I have just said, and especially after the conversation I had with Chris Ballard on Wednesday, and I asked him a couple of different times, you know, about changing. You guys asked him that, you know, when he had the ownership press conference after the season. You know, you guys talked about, you know, maybe change and philosophies, the way you build the team, the right. way your beliefs of building a team equates to a higher level of winning. And while he said all the right things, I I gathered from asking him a couple of different ways on Wednesday, I'm not going to sit here and expect a great deal of change. He believes in that. And I think that other than maybe here or there, some fringe changes in philosophy, he's going to be pretty much the same. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is that people around the league, people who work in the league, agents, they were all here last week, talked to a lot of them, <laughs> and a lot of them think that he's got to go for this. He's got to go for it, and he's got to do something big this offseason. There's a, there's a lot of sentiment like that. Um, there's also a lot of sentiment that he needs to be aggressive with this quarterback situation. That, that sentiment, I think, is the prevailing sentiment. And, you know, I don't know that anyone's predicting that – that he gets fired if he doesn't get this right or anything that I wouldn't say people are going there, but, but they're acknowledging the pressure on him. And a lot of it, they, they link to Jim Mercy, certainly having a shorter lease than he used to. That's pretty clear. And, and being a little more on the impatient side, certainly he retained them. So I'm not saying uh, that, that he's under some kind of threat, but, but it feels different, I guess is what I'm saying. It feels different. And, and there is an acknowledgement out there that Chris Ballard has been cautious, perhaps too cautious. I think that would be a very fair argument to make. Um, this is not part of the question, but um, I would tell you, you asked me earlier, I just wanted to kind of circle back. You asked me earlier whether the combine changed my opinion of anything. The one thing I would say is, uh, so I have a new story out. I spent – a good bit of last week with Anthony Richardson. And this was kind of something we arranged his camp and I, and we, I wanted to kind of shadow him as much as possible last week. And when you do that, you get a lot of insight into someone, right? And I will tell you, I learned a couple of things through that experience. And I'm talking about following him, you know, after hours, as he's getting ready uh, for his workout, uh, after his interviews, all that stuff. Right you know, sort of out of the, out of the, the light of the cameras. And you learn a little bit about someone. And, and what I learned about that situation is a couple of things. Number one, I think that there are, I know, I should say, I know there are multiple teams in the top 10 that are really serious about Anthony Richardson. That is a hundred percent true. The other thing I would say is that 
I have, because I've spent a lot more time thinking about him and learning about him, I'm telling you, I really think the upside there is, is something not to be ignored. I'm not saying the Colts are going to trade up to go draft him. I'm just saying uh, he's going to be in play. He's going to be in play in that top ten, maybe even the top five. That I, is not yeah, a dramatic right. statement. I'm I, telling you now. I, I agree with you on that. I, if you were asking me right now, to wager, I would say that the first four picks are going to be quarterbacks here. I I, th- I bet you he gets up inside that that top five, the first four, because be I think that somebody's going to get up. Somebody's going to take what the Bears want to get up to one. We know what the Texans are going to do, and then I think somebody is going to be so absolutely floored by the athleticism showed and what could be in the future at quarterback with Richardson. Somebody's going to slide up there and get in front of the Colts and select him. And then, as I mentioned, I, I bet I would if again this is just right now. Uh, I think it's going to be Levis here at four. Well, it's interesting. I'll tell you what, I think it's going to be a dog-eat-dog kind of deal. It very well could be, at least, because there's a lot of teams with some big need here and in some pivotal situations. I'll tell you, the Panthers, they are not screwing around. Okay, They are going to get themselves a quarterback. That is everything that I learned last week tells me that. And and I would say this also, here's a, here's a little bit of a window with Richardson and – I'm going to share as much as I'm comfortable sharing because, you know, some, some things people have asked me to keep close to the vest. I'm trying to not betray confidence. But we were sitting – I was sitting with Richardson's camp on Saturday at Lucas Oil. And, you know, his agents, his manager, we were, we're watching the workouts. They're still on the field, okay? This is a little inside nugget for you. They're still on the field. They had already done the 40. Uh, they were toward the end of the throwing portion. So they were almost done, but still on the field, still throwing. And his manager gets a call. He gets off the phone, and he tells us that was a team requesting some private time with Anthony Richardson later this month. They, they didn't even wait for the workout to end. They were, they were calling him while it was in progress, saying, hey, we need to connect. We want to get with this guy. Uh, we want to spend some time with him. And, and that team, that is a team that picked in the top ten. I'll just leave it at that. Do you think the Colts – have a level of interest in him. And here's how, Stephen, I've described it. Um, and, and while I don't think Chris Ballard's going anywhere anytime soon, I don't happen to agree right. with the timetable in year one or even, for that matter, year two. Because had there been that much of a timetable or, let's say, an itchy trigger finger, uh, Jim Irsay would have gone with that. I think when you give him you know, year seven, I think now you're going to give him year eight and even possibly uh, year nine, even if things aren't translating to division titles or finally living up to a level of expectation with a young quarterback. I think he has plenty of time. Mind you, I've also argued that maybe that's the reason why they wouldn't have any interest is because of the amount of time it would take Richardson to really gain the experience that is necessary to become what people athletically believe he can playing that position. So what is it with the Colts? Would they, should they have interest in him? Well, here's, here's the thing. You have to look at it this way. He has, uh, well, I, I agree with you. First of all, I agree with your assessment that Chris Ballard, while he's under a lot of pressure, right? He is, that is true. Uh, last year was a bad year. He's under a lot of pressure. However, the reality is he he's not operating like a guy who's who's scared to get fired right now, right? He went and hired a first-year head coach who's very young and is going to have to grow into this job. That's another thing that I 
I really took away from this combine is that that Shane Steichen is going to have to grow into this job. There's a lot he doesn't know, and I think he's aware of that. But my point is, it, I'm not saying it's a risky hire, but I'm saying it, it may take some time to, to determine whether it's a good hire, right? I mean, he's not a sure thing, right, to the extent that you can even find a sure thing. But he's not a sure thing. So that doesn't strike me as a guy who's, who's under the gun. And then, as you said earlier, I mean, he certainly isn't talking or operating like a guy who's going to uh, completely change gears in how he functions in, in free agency, for example, right? So, so I agree with you. He's not operating like a guy whose job is literally on the line right now. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, you asked me, do the Colts have interest in him? That answer is absolutely yes, first of all. Undoubtedly, that is yes. Now, does that mean they will pick him? No, of course not. But the case for picking Anthony Richardson, if you're the Colts, is I would presume you know it would be more likely at number four. But the, the case there is this. Uh, you've got to do something bold. And, and Chris Ballard has never really done anything bold. And I think that would be a bold move. I mean, you look at – I talked about this um, on an ESPN podcast today, and I'll repeat it here. The, the look at 2017, look at the 2017 draft. Okay, the Bears go and take Trubisky, I think, at number two overall, right? Um, now, the Chiefs, they took, they took Patrick Mahomes at number 10. But there's more to that story. What did they do? They traded up and went and got him at number 10. And there was, remember, at the time, this guy had played in the air raid offense. We didn't know what he was going to be translating – to a pro offense for him was, or at least projecting him to a pro offense was very difficult at that time. And not everybody was, was in on him. And so that bold move paid off. All right. And you, then you, you look at even Jalen hurts while he wasn't a high draft pick, he was drafted in the second round. What did the Eagles do? They said, you know what, Carson Wentz, we're in for $50 million and we don't care. He's out of here. We're going with this guy. After he had started, what, five games, I believe, at the end of 2020, that's also a bold move. Listen, bold moves can fail spectacularly. That's true. But they can also pay off in a major, major way. So maybe Chris Ballard has enough uh, cachet left to take a big swing. He hasn't really taken one. Playing it safe isn't going to get you anywhere. And I think the, the evidence is in the teams that I just talked about. You know, the, the Chiefs and the Eagles for just two examples. Yeah, I mean, you can see a team, too, like the Raiders jumping up there and with Richardson in yeah. mind. That's, I, yeah. I, I just – everybody falls in love with these guys right here. And I just um, – and that's part of my argument is how long that he would take to show signs and, you know, the lesser time with a guy like C.J. Stroud. I just, I just don't think that – the Colts, at least sitting here right now, are going to try as hard as some nationally would expect them to to move up. It would it would surprise me. I would be much less surprised, Stephen, if they traded back, right? And he laughed about that. He laughed about that at a press conference, laughed about that with me on Wednesday. I'd be less surprised. I'm not suggesting he will, but I'd be less surprised about that. Uh, certainly well, yeah, compared to what trading up. I just that's yeah. hard for me still to believe. With what it's going to cost. I will tell you. I will tell you this. I mean, I, I think part of the 
the challenge here and in, in knowing what to do and how to how to proceed. Part of it is understanding the the landscape. So there's going to be a lot of effort by a lot of teams, I think, to get some intel. What are teams doing? What are they talking about? Who are they talking about? Now, that's sometimes hard to ascertain, but if you're good, if, if your scouts are good and your and your information is good, your relationships are good, sometimes you can glean some of that. That's going to be critical here because I, I think it's not just about what the Colts are going to do. It's also about what everybody else around them is going to do. <laughs> okay. And I've already told you, I mean, the, the Panthers are not kidding around. I, I really think they're ready to strike. I don't know what their, their ammunition looks like, their, their trade uh, or their potential picks that they could swap. I, I have to, I'd have to look at that closer, but you've got them, you know, Seattle is kind of looming there. They have picks. Uh, so uh, there are teams that they have to worry about, frankly, there are teams they have to worry about. It's not just do they or do they not go up to number one or number two or three. That's that's not the question. The question is what is everybody else going to do and what does that do to the quarterback market? Well, And, and I was kind of curious about this too. What do you think the, the Titans are up to? I know that, that Rand Carthon is their new general manager and he said all the right things regarding Ryan Tannehill. But, you know, obviously uh, they've cut ties with, with Taylor Lewan. Um You look at Running back Derrick Henry, there are rumors that they would like to try to move him. I don't know what the market will be right there. It's not so much what they're going to get in return. It is a a change in philosophy. And if you're going to change philosophy, Ryan Tannehill is is a guy that's a starter right now that they don't like too much. Malik Willis, I know it's been one year, but you got a new general manager. And maybe he doesn't like what John Robinson liked. A year ago, I'm just kind of curious what they may be playing in Nashville, drafting where they're drafting coming up in the spring. Yeah, I I think it's a, it's interesting. The, the Titans are not a team we've talked about a lot, but you know they're sitting there. I think with the number 11 pick, and this is also a pivotal time for them. I mean, they have had uh, they took a big step back last year, and. As you said, I don't know what the next step for them is. Is it a, is it to continue to try to maintain the status quo, or with the new general manager, do they tear this down and and maybe try to rebuild and try to start over? I mean, if they're truly shopping Derrick Henry, then I think that suggests the latter. So it'll be interesting. I, I think they're a team we haven't talked about enough, but maybe we should be. I mean, they are. They're, they're within striking distance to do something at quarterback if they want. Now, I, again, I'm like you. I, I know Malik Willis is there, but at the same time, I mean, you, you've got a new general manager. And I, I just don't think that matters as much to him. And then you've got uh, just a, a, a third-round pick invested in Malik Willis, right? So, I mean – what difference does it make, in my opinion? Huh? So we'll have to see. They have to figure something out with Tannehill if they were to do that, I would imagine. But they're at a pivotal moment as well. I want to get back to a Stephen Holder of ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. The points we were making regarding Chris Ballard. I think the only way that Jim Mercer goes to the level of, all right, I can't take it anymore, is if this pick turns out to be, after you know a year and a half or so, kind of a Zach Wilson type of deal. If it looks like that yeah. and there is no hope, then then maybe the, the process of exodus is 
is expedited a little bit. Otherwise, yeah, I think you're looking at two or three years, uh, whether you're for it or against it. Uh, two or three years. So it, uh, to me, it's it's almost with with Chris in mind. It's it's kind of a reboot after six years, right? He's going to get everything on the table and handle things the way that he wants to handle it. And I think outside of having a Zach Wilson type of situation, he's going to get longer than a lot of people sit around here and think right now. I I will say I agree with you. Uh, and now a catastrophe of some kind will get you fired, right? I think something like that, all bets are off. I agree with that. Uh, but I also agree with you generally that this is not, uh, you know, a do-or-die year. I do think it's a big year, and, and they have to change the trajectory. You know, if this was a complete catastrophe of a season, that might be different. But when you hire a new coach, I think that resets things a little bit. I mean, that alone. I mean, that's it's not that hard, frankly. I mean, you hired a new coach. Jim Mercy let him have the coach that he wanted. Uh, you You can't let them hire a new coach, and then if the results don't come immediately in year one, say, all right, you're out of here. I mean, that's that's very unlikely, I think. It just seems very unlikely to me. Uh, as much as Jim Mercy was out of character last year, and he was very, very much. Um, two things. Number one, he does not like the characterization that he's this meddling. No, he didn't, he didn't like that at all. Not he at all. It. Yes. And I know this because I've been told, okay, <laughs> because that message has been sent. Okay, let me just put it that way. And so the the reason I bring that up is because it's not what he wants to be. You know what I'm saying? That is not who he wants to be. It's not what he wants to be known for. Uh, He cares very much about how he's viewed. So I don't think you're going to see a continuation of Jim Mercer being that way. And so it, it bolsters the argument that you're making. And I agree with you, which is that this is going to be slow and steady doesn't mean that the progress will be slow and steady, but I mean the evaluation of, of Chris Ballard, I think, will be slow and steady. I don't think this is going to be a do-or-die, as I said, season for Chris Ballard. No, he didn't like being described as the, the ring leader of the, the biggest no. clown show in the NFL last year. Didn't like that no. at all. And, you know, that's all everybody says. And, and, you know, that's what you talk about rebuilding – that's a part of the rebuild. And in terms of the confidence in the fan base, that plays a role. I mean, Chris Ballard is going to say, eh, it doesn't matter to me, whatever. Yeah, deep down inside, it does. It matters to him. It matters to people over there. And it matters to his owner. So it, it does matter. And that's why signs need to be shown. Not necessarily winning a division title or anything like that, but just those moments where you go, all right, this is now going in the right direction. All right, this guy's the right pick. All right, here's believability for the long term that we didn't have an ounce of a year ago. Yeah, and I think, frankly, I hope they have learned a lesson, the Colts. And, and that lesson, what I mean by that is, you know, they, they have taken this, this sort of quick fix approach uh, change the quarterback, or move a couple chairs around, uh, a few musical chairs, and, uh, and we'll be good to go. And that's never been the case, right? I mean, they, they came – I guess the closest they came to that was maybe the year with Phillip Rivers, but, I mean, they didn't win a playoff game ultimately, right? So what difference does it make? Good year, nice year, but didn't get you anywhere, right? So what I'm saying now is, look, I think the reality is they have to stop thinking like that. And this has to be – I'm not saying it's a rebuild because they still have enough good players. They have a good defense. Uh, they have some pieces. 
And I mean, they still have Jonathan Taylor, who we never talk about, right? Just because last year was a bad year. But so it's not—it's not a rebuild, but it's—it's it's definitely a reset for sure. And and I think the 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 expectations. And then and Chris Ballard talked about this. He talked about managing expectations. They have been absolutely, utterly horrible at that for years. Okay, and part of that's the owner's fault. But you keep talking about the Super Bowl, and he ain't the only one. Okay, they all did. You keep talking about the Super Bowl, people are gonna hold you to it, man. <laughs> okay, and the truth of the matter is, they they really weren't that team. And, and so let's take this step by step. Get the quarterback right. And if that happens this year and your offense gets on track, that, I think, is a success. However many games they win, I mean, they, they, can't, they can't win three games and call it a success. But if you can get the quarterback right and you can show yeah. your offense is headed in the right direction, I think that's a win in 2023. Yeah, I just uh, – I it, <laughs> I know it's tough It is because normally when you're going into year number seven, if you're a general manager, you have credentials like, you know, John Schneider, you know, somebody like that in NFL circles. And, right. and it's far from it. But uh, people are just going to have to get used to that particular thing. Uh, as far as approaching free agency, uh, approaching, what, what, what is the date in which we're going to see Matt Ryan jettison here? Well, I checked today. I believe it's next Friday. Next Friday. That, yeah, that that money is due. I believe that is $10 million. Uh, I I find it very hard to believe he will be on the roster that day. Uh, so I would anticipate in the next 10, 11, or 12 days here, whatever that is, uh, that that we will see a move there. Uh, if you if you release him, uh, at that point you – you save yourself, I believe, $17 million. They are tighter than they typically are on the salary cap this year. So that's something to consider here. Now, they'll still have to go out and get a veteran quarterback. You're not going to draft a guy and then, uh, I don't think at least, have him backed up by Sam Ellinger. Not that Ellinger isn't a qualified backup. I, I just don't. It just kind of feels like you need a veteran. I don't know, but... Um, I guess you could make the argument that maybe they should consider Ellinger. But um, but in, in any case, I, I do feel like they would be likely to, to add a veteran quarterback, which is going to cost you a little money, but probably not $17 million. So Yeah. Any other yeah. trade? I checked that, not trade. Any other cut possibilities here? Any right. names we should be watching? Yeah, I, I don't think any obvious ones. I mean, I, I do think – there's going to be a couple of free agents who probably don't come back. Bobby Okereke, I think that's over. I think he's gone. Uh, and that makes sense. I love Bobby. He's a good player, but he's going to probably get priced out uh, for the Colts. And they have certainly a, a lot of talent at linebacker, so they'll make that work. Um, I don't I don't know that they have to make a bunch of cuts. I, I think they'll be okay. Uh, getting or saving, I should say, you know, $17 million with, with Matt Ryan is, is definitely going to give them at least a, a big boost there. So they'll have some dead money left over, but they'll get a big boost. And they need every dollar this year. They they are not, you know, one of those – this is not one of those years where they have $60, $70 million in cap space. So uh, that will that money will matter. When I asked him last week um, about Shaquille Leonard and if he's going to return to form uh, pre-back and pre-surgeries, plural, and all that, he he responded, Chris did, and I wouldn't bet – against him 
which, I mean, you could take that two different ways. You could say, all right, well, okay, I wouldn't bet against that. But at the same time, you can look at it as, yeah, there really wasn't a lot there. So, you know, how confident is he? I guess you can look so, at that two different ways. I have a, I have a little intel on that. I, I did speak to someone close to uh, Shaquille Leonard during the combine. And now the Colts are not going to go on the record and say this because they've been wrong before, right? So I get it. Uh, but apparently, if what I'm told is true, this surgery definitely took. And it doesn't mean that he's going to be the same player. I don't think we're there yet to know that. But in terms of the the surgery having the intended effect, it appears that that is true. I, I do think that they really downplayed how minimal uh, the the initial surgery um, impacted him. It just it didn't work. It just did not work. And he was trying to push through it, and he was maybe telling himself that he was seeing improvement. I know he said that on the record, he being Leonard. He said that multiple times, that he felt much better after the surgery. <laughs> I, I think that was maybe his, his mind over matter working there. I mean, it just – it did not have the intended effect whatsoever. And this one, it appears, did. And I think he's going to be back trying to get uh, get some workouts done uh, within the next uh, month or two. He should be back working and, and getting back into some drills. So I, that's a very positive uh, thing if that in true, it indeed holds true. Stay tuned. Stephen Holder has a feature regarding Anthony Richardson where he followed him around last week to see what the uh, future NFL quarterback doing, thinking, saying, and such. ESPN.com. Stephen Holder's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Always a pleasure. Appreciate you, man. All right. You got it, my friend. Stephen Holder. Quick break. We'll come back. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Falls on me. Hello. Lando Brown not tagged by the Chiefs. Left tackle? Becoming a free agent here? I think the Chiefs still have around a week to get something done, don't they? Frank Clark, the defensive end, 29 years of age, is being released too. So, yeah, big news coming out of Kansas City today, no doubt about that. Hey, by the way, college basketball fans around here, IU, the three-seed, Purdue, the one-seed Big Ten Conference Tournament, both received the double bye. Northwestern, the two, and Michigan State, the four. And Northwestern went on the road last night to solidify that at Rutgers. Had they not won, they would have fallen all the way down to the nine, (laughs) which is incredible. Absolutely incredible. 
But now you look at the Big Ten this year, the Big Ten and the entirety of the college basketball landscape, very similar. You got a lot of teams and a lot of possibilities. Sixers, Pacers, later on tonight, I haven't seen anything regarding Embiid sitting out, so I plan on being close to my Twitter account tonight because you're going to get 33 in Joel Embiid coming up this evening. And I hope you didn't miss me talking yesterday. The end of the game was fantastic for the Pacers with that shot from Halliburton. Patrick Beverly, that was a clown act. Patrick Beverly with the foot underneath Halliburton's jump shot a couple, maybe it was a possession prior. That was purposely done right there. And nobody's going to look into it. That's Pat Bev, huh? Pacers won. You know, Halliburton got that revenge, stuck that jumper, that three-pointer in his eye. That was all great. But, man, that could have been so much worse. And it was purposely done. You could see it was purposely done. And rightly so. I think J.J., after the game, talking to Halliburton, called, I think he described it in his question as an aggressive closeout. Nah, he purposely put his foot there. I thought it was even far beyond an aggressive closeout. Bill's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Bill. Hey, thanks for taking my call, man. You've been talking about Ballard today. I want to tell you, about five years this month, I moved to Indianapolis five years ago. So I've been watching Ballard just about the whole time. And I, from what I see, I don't think he has the stones to trade up. I think if he traded up to number one, he screwed that up, he'd be on the next boat out of here. I think he knows that. But you've been talking about that last year. Let me just give you and your listeners a cautionary tale. Okay. I spent, I spent 25 years in Miami. I watched Dan Marino's last game, right? Now they might have Tua. But between Marino and now, it's a big drought, baby. Big drought. And one one thing that happened while I was there, 2008, you know, Bill Parcells was in charge. And he had a big old, what, number two pick? and he Or number one, he, he took uh, what, Jake Long, offensive lineman, and he passed on Matt Ryan. And I, I think Ryan might have been a better deal back in those days. Well, so it, that happens yeah. here. Yeah, it, <laughs> there's no doubt. There's no guarantees. I, I, I agree. I, I don't look at it, though, Bill, as Ballard not having – the stones because he's worried about his gig. I think he's solidified at least for the next couple oh, yeah. of years um, because Jim Mercer decided to bring him back after his sixth year in a four win, one tied team. This is just not how he is like that price tag three. Number one's the way that it is. I can't imagine you being able to get, Chris Ballard to pay anything near that. So I'm not suggesting that's going to be the Bears yeah. price tag. You know, obviously they're going, to, they're going to set this bar really high, but if it's anywhere close to that, I just can't see it. And I think the likelihood, Bill, is very high that Chris stays at four and likes who he gets at four. So I think he trades down. I, I think he trades into the second or third round. I, I don't, I, I really do. He loves his draft picks. I, I like it. I've been here almost five years. And it seems like Ballard maybe his whole all I want for Christmas is draft picks and and cap space. You know, I keep hearing all these years all this cap space they have, and I said, well, what did they ever do with it? You know, they never rounded their team out. So it is, uh, it has not, it has not worked out. But he's he's going to get a couple of years to to get this yeah. thing right. I think, Bill. Thank you for the call as well.
and you know where I have stood on that, but I'm just giving you a dose of reality as a Colts fan. It's not like, unless this is a like Zach Wilson-esque type of situation where just everything is a massive clown show, as it was described a year ago around here, a massive clown show, then he's going to get time to work this thing in. Everybody with me on this? Can anybody else, anybody else at all see him giving up anywhere near that level of price tag to get to number one? And I've on record suggesting if you like somebody and that's the only way you can get somebody, then go get it. But you also have to factor in who we're talking about here. That's just not who he has been. And I don't think that's who he's all of a sudden going to jump into the phone booth and come back out if there were still phone booths around and change into. He's still, for the most part, going to be about his beliefs. Then giving up that much to move up from four to one is, can't imagine that's a part of his belief system. You know, regardless of this situation here. Uh, Daryl's a 239-1070. Hello. What a terrible year for the Big Ten tournament to be in Chicago. <laughs> I'm telling you, buddy. Are I'm you right there with me? you. Yes. Nobody's going to give a crap either, are they? Nobody's going to give a crap up there. And it's going to be a great tournament. you got nine teams that can win this thing. It's going to be awesome. I, I agree. I think, Daryl, I think, to me, the Big Ten and really – nationally college basketball in the top 25 it's like a mirror image you just got a lot of teams in there that can come out and win this thing you just don't really know too much or we just don't really know too much right now it's going to be a great march second of all i i don't think ballard should go after a quarterback i've said this before i don't think that these, these quarterbacks coming out are too small you're going to end up with a quarterback that's going to be on the IR just about every other other week. They need to get a left tackle. They need to get defense. I think they should wait till next year and grab somebody in the later part of the draft and get some other pieces to the puzzle. I think um, I, I think that this is what I gather again, Daryl, from talking to Ballard on Wednesday. I, I think that he believes in Bernard Ryman. I think he believes Bernard Ryman to be his left tackle. So. Until further, until further notice, that's what I will continue to believe. All right, brother. Well, you have a good night, man. My friend, it's good to hear from you, Daryl. Thank you very much. Pelt Dog says zero teams will pay that price for a non-generational talent. We'll see. You know how many combine arousals happened watching Anthony Richardson? I'm not suggesting he's going to be the target either. This is just an example. How many combine arousals happened down there? Watching Anthony Richardson do all this, jump and jump again and run and throw and all that. People fall in love, man. People fall in love. It would not surprise me. I, I agree with you that it's not going to be the price tag that Peter King reported from the Bears, but it's going to be something large, thus I think something too lofty for the Colts and Chris Ballard given their train of thought to have any interest in quick break we'll come back me and you other side a little anything goes after six on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan 
The Ride with JMV. Can I talk to Dana? There is no Dana, only Zool. What a lovely singing voice you must have. Now, I'm going to count to three, Zooli, and if I don't get to talk to Dana, there's going to be some real trouble in this apartment, I think. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. I feel like doing some Anything Goes if you guys are on board with that at 239-1070. Sixers Pacers, bottom of the hour, pregame coverage right here. Jerry Palm, CBS. That is, of course, bracketologist Jerry Palm, CBS Sports. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com. Jake Query, The Morning Show. Kevin and Query earlier, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Trey Galloway tomorrow, if are you correct? Trey Galloway coming up tomorrow. Well, anything goes right now. True story. I was always ace freely. Anybody have all their solo albums back in the 70s too? (laughs) I had Gene Simmons on this show twice. Once he called from... I believe he was doing a show. I don't know if this was with Kiss. Maybe it was. He was on the road in Finland, and he called here. Remember when Gene Simmons got paid a lot of money to come up with the I am indie positioning statement, too. He got paid a lot of money for that. Gene Simmons knows about his money. Make no mistake about that. That's one thing. If they did better than coming up with just all, well, let me tell you this. He also did well here because I think all of us that ever stayed up and watched a single moment of Skinamax at any point would have all ran and probably dated Shannon Tweed and then married here like he did. Shannon Tweed. Shannon Tweed was a elite level superstar of Skinamax of the day. Beautiful. Uh, Gene Simmons, as they say, and this is pretty accurate, has run through it. <laughs> Good for him. He has run through it. But I believe he and Shannon Tweed are still married. All right, 239-1070. I got time for you here. Again, until about 623 or so, we'll do some Anything Goes. Garen's up first in this Anything Goes segment here. Hello, Garen. What's up, JMV? I was up at Purdue. Blake was running at the Fieldhouse. Oh, on uh, with Saturday? With Ron Colley on Saturday. Yeah, I didn't know. I wasn't going. And then I dropped him off at like 6.30 at Ron Colley so he could get the bus. And then I get a call at about 10. He goes, hey, I'm done. Can you come get me? And I went, hey, hey. So I loaded her up and went up and uh, waited in the parking lot. And there he was. Popped right out yeah. there. So. Yeah, I didn't know he's a track guy. Does he do cross country too? Oh, he likes. Uh, yes, he's a long distance runner, um, aka psychopath. <laughs> My son is as well. <laughs> That's great. Though. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great, great for him. Wouldn't be great for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't get up in the morning he- going, "Hey, I hope I run a couple of miles here in a little bit." 
Yeah, so you're you're no closer to doing your first uh, half half marathon oh, in May than no. I take it. I I just I the nipple chafing alone possibility is enough to scare me away from that, Garen. True story. Oh. Well, we'll get you, maybe we'll, we'll get you doing it someday. Get you a five k, start you out slow. Mm, 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 no, I've heard I've heard the horror stories about running and your nips are getting chafed. I'm not all about that. <laughs> what you got, buddy? Basketball. Yes. Uh, it just feels it feels weird to not be you know just pumped as hell about winning the conference by three games. It doesn't happen very often. Um. And I, I don't know, guilty is not the wrong word, but just, I know, it just seems like a precarious position to be where they, they just, something is still not clicking right the yeah. way it was a month and a half ago, a month ago. And, you know, you wonder if it's between the grind of the season and, and they just need to play some opponents that aren't in the Big Ten. But even, even early in that second half on Saturday, I was up there, or sorry, Sunday, Sunday, up there. Um, they were up 22 points. My father-in-law is a diehard Illini fan, and and he, he he's always doomsdayer guy, and and whatever they're doing is the worst thing in the world. And I said, I don't know why, but I have this uncanny feeling this game is going to be tied before it's over. And he said I was out of my mind, and for whatever reason, as they started chipping away, I'm like, this feels exactly like Ohio State did last year, when they were 20 points with 14 minutes to go or whatever it was, and they took their foot off the gas started being a couple turnovers and sure enough it ended up being the same thing again pulled it out just like they did last year but it just it just puts you in this frame of mind of, of not a high level of confidence when it comes to the tournament um they're still making most of their free throws they finally hit some threes the other day but it's just i don't know i i, I should feel more confident than i am with, again winning a good league by that many games but just it Something just still doesn't feel like well, and and Garen, let's face it too. It, it's not like you have to do a lot to have Boilermaker fans sit around and and wait for something bad to happen, <laughs> right? Right, and that's kind of where you are. And I, I will say this: I think every team right now that's NCAA tournament worthy, every team. Let's just say, for example, we'll break it down this way: every team in the top ten, top fifteen has similar worries because they all are flawed in a way that on a given night could end their season right then and right there. And we'll, we'll see. I I asked this for Purdue. If they could just get on, because you, you don't have to be a great shooter to be in a hot stretch, to be in a zone and if they were to ever be able to get in a stretch where you're knocking down shots and you can build your confidence, whereas you may not be a great shooting team, but everything's going in right now, the basket looks big, and you got that confidence built up, that is exactly what this team needs. I don't know if they're going to find that, but that's exactly what they need. You don't have to be a great shooting team. You have to be a great shooting team in that moment and see if you can put something together and get a little confidence because they just, especially from distance, they don't have a great deal of confidence. It, it looks like a bunch of Miller cops, for example. I mean, he, he, the last place Miller cop wanted to bowl in that game yesterday was anywhere near his general vicinity. He, I mean, after some shots and especially after that air ball, he didn't want it. And that's that's what confidence does to you. And that's what confidence can do for you. That's what this group needs. 
Well, and we've seen it from Smith on occasion. It'll be about every every third game where he'll hit two or three threes and just look terrific on the pull-up. I was really happy to see Painter put Newman in the lineup. Me too. And, Me too. And it's just it was it's been amazing. Just the couple of games. I mean, he's he's caused a couple turnovers as soon as he gets in there, um, and and that's that's a way to gain possession. It'll be, be important in the tournament, but. I would like to see a few more go in from from he and Fletcher, and and I'm I'm hoping it'll be that for the tournament. Those, those guys can shoot, and it, it just it just boggles me they keep missing so many wide open ones. But um, it will be interesting to see how things go in Chicago. I think that thing's wide open. I mean, I I if they if they go one and done against Michigan because Michigan needs the game, I'll shrug my shoulders and say, eh, whatever. A couple more days rest for when it really counts the next week. We got the championship that I was interested in Big Ten wise, but. It'll be it'll be a fun week just to see all those Big Ten teams slug it out, and then how the bracket ends up on on Sunday evening. Yeah, I mean it, Gillis is another guy that you got yeah. confident when Gillis was putting it up earlier in the season. Right. Garen, you felt good about it. You felt good it was going to go down, and now you're kind of living in a world of the opposite when he puts it up. Well, it's like he, Caleb first, or Morton will pick games where they might hit two, but then they don't do anything else yeah. from from distance. And if they could. I don't know, two guys that could shoot from the wing position, I, I, I think it would just do wonders. Because, I mean, that, hell, that's nine, nine, 12 more points in the game, and that just makes such Yeah, and, and here's – like people, when I say teams aren't guarding them, you know, people go, well, yeah, they are. Well, they are, but they're not intensity-wise guarding them. They leave a window because they would rather have these guys shoot it from distance than wait and throw an entry pass into Edie. So at, at some point, that just has to happen. They have to take advantage of those windows that they're given because these teams want to see them shoot as opposed to dump it down to Edie on the inside. And the only way you can get that respect, and listen, I use in the same boat right here too, the only way you can get that, that, that respect is to knock some down out there. If not, then you're going to continue to get played that way, and these these games are going to be a little bit heart wrenching for fans yeah. around here, for real. And these one and done situations. Yeah, with what you describe, I think especially is how they've scouted uh, Morton lately. When let him go, uh, they, they let him yep, go, man. Right? Yeah, yep. they do. All right, hey, tell the family I said hello, Garen. We'll do. Thank you, sir. You got it. That was at Lafayette. I was right there at Mackey. That field house is next to Mackey. Drove up there. Where the hell did I go? I was going to even go by Raisin Canes, and I think I went down the wrong street. I did go by the Skulls, the Skulls Fraternity House. I had three incredible party times up there. A friend of mine, Mike Barron, he owns Parkies Barbecue in Lebanon. Uh, my best friend growing up, one of them was a boilermaker and was at the Skull House. And I spent, I know I went there one uh, Grand Prix weekend because I played three-on-three with a bunch of dudes. I played in boots and had to kick their ass in boots. I had Timberlands on because I wanted to look taller and cool. (laughs) Because it was 1993. (laughs) But I had some good times. Good times. The Skull House right there. If you're going to West Lafayette, right after you cross the bash. Ed's up next. Anything goes. 239-1070. Ed, join the show. Hey, this is Ed Roth from Cicero. 
you called me Shrock Star. I'm not Shrock. Oh Star. man, yeah, man. I'm, uh, I got you, Shrock Star. Shout out to you. Yeah, Are you still I, on Peaks? I'm not Shrock Star. Oh, you're not. I don't do, oh. I'm not, I don't do Twitter or Twitter. Uh, I'm a half a block away from Sullivan Hardware in downtown Cicero. Okay, I love uh, that. A uh, couple of friends of mine opened a new restaurant downtown Cicero, kind of B N Mexicana. I mean, well, Mexicana, well, Mexico, whatever. Okay. Good translation. Uh, yeah. Well done. Uh, they, the other buddy owns Tin West. I don't know if you ever heard of Tin West. It's a Cicero has become a destination town. Is it really? Small town. Yes. We're on the reservoir, Morse Reservoir. They have the Boat House on the reservoir. We have La Cascada, Mexican restaurant on the reservoir. Is, is, is Wolfie still up there, too? Wolfie's is basically in Cicero, in Noblesville. Oh, it is. It's oh. South of uh, the township line. You know, it's funny. I watched on. I met you at Wolfie's with. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I was up there with Rick Venturi because Rick Venturi is, ago, is, is up there when it's warm. On. Hey, let me tell you this. I was watching the Destination Channel um, yesterday, and there was a lakefront bargain show on, and this couple, they were looking at three different homes on Morse Reservoir. True story. I think it it's went expensive. back to like 2017 or something. It was a repeat. It's, yeah, it's expensive. I mean, and we get white caps. You know, I mean, I I get uh, oh snow event, snow event, snow from the I reservoir. Gotcha. I got. Gotcha. Oh, do you a little lake effect? Do you, all right. One one final hey, thing regarding son, Cicero. Your, your son's your son's running cross country. Please don't have him wear XC. I ran cross country in the early 80s. Okay. To me, CC lives. It's CC. It ain't XC. Nah, they just put uh, Ron Colley on the front and they take off running, brother. That's what happens. Seventeen twelve <laughs> for me in the five k, four thirty six in a mile. I have no idea what's going on. Just when he runs by, I go, "Let's go, Blake!" And that's about it. I have no idea otherwise what's happening. <laughs> just go. But, uh, I yeah. stand next to a tree and then run out and say, "Let's go, Blake!" And then go back against the tree again. But it's good he does that. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit psychotic, long-distance running and all. I always thought long-distance running, honestly, Ed, thank you for the call, was more about you know, more about being punished. It's like I did something wrong. Hey, wait a minute. I got to go out here and run a mile? Okay, what did I do wrong? What happened? Marcellus, 239-1070. Hello, Marcellus. Well, what's up, my man? Good How to you hear going? from you. Great larceny bourbon double shot powers. You hear them both? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, sir. And I saw you mentioned a little uh, fact of life. <laughs> oh, you like that one, Tootie. Tootie, Tootie wanted to go see Jermaine Jackson, and then Jermaine ignored Tootie. That was such BS. Hated it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was pretty close. Nice, nice twist. You got it. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, look, I, I, one thing I think we uh, we learned from history is that we never learn from history, man. You know, when we get to the combine, we see these freakish uh, guys that do the jump twelve feet, and you know, and then they're doing, you know, doing all the the, the forty, the, the forty and four, four four speed and whatnot, and and but they're supposed to be quarterbacks, right? And you know, the quarterback's main job is distribution. Okay, he extend plays, but get the ball to his playmakers. Okay, every now, not not to be competing with the running back 
couple of yards gained. Okay, it's to get the ball out of his hand as fast as possible to the to the, to his playmakers. So there's running backs and receivers and tight ends. That's what he's supposed to do. That's his first job. Right. And what we see, when we see these guys like Richardson come along, man, and everybody's eyes are just starry eyed again. We're all starry eyed again. You know, it's like I'm looking at these guys like this. Eventually, he's a he's an outstanding athlete, but he's an average quarterback. And here we have a situation where he hasn't played a lot of games. And in college, let's face it, a percentage of the guys you play against in college, some of those guys just came out of high school, okay? Some of them are 18, 19, 17 years old. Okay, they are, okay? Now we're in the NFL where you got grown men who are in their mid-20s, Yes, who are really, who who are stacked, right? I mean, physically stacked, just like you, and 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 you 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 you're gonna you you're the big fish in a big in a, in a in a pool now in a small pool, but now you're in the big leagues now, okay? And here we have guys that are freakish, just like you, no doubt. And, and it's like we, we Lamar Jackson is now learning a lesson here, okay? And I feel sorry for the guy, to be honest with you, because I don't think anybody ever thought to coach him up to be quarterback. They they let him do what he's been doing. Well, yeah, because run, it was successful. Because it was right. it was successful, Marcellus. Yeah, right. successful. Yeah. They, they called him. I, I get what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. do. And so now, now he's had two seasons of injuries, not finishing seasons, and now he wants all his money. And, yeah, he won you a lot of games, but now reality is going to start setting in. And what what you still see, JV, is that the pocket passer, the mobile extend-the-play guy like your Mahomes and, and, and like Peyton Manning and, and, the, and Brady, these guys, but even Phil Rivers, as stiff as he was, he got that ball out. You, well, well and, and I got to run here, Marcellus, but yeah. it's because you take too many hits, man. It's cool. It's That's cool right. to take hits. Listen, Josh Allen's going to find this out in Buffalo. He did find this out. He's going to find yeah. it out even yeah. more because a lot of those calls, Marcellus, thank you for the time when he takes off running and gets hit. He's the one that makes those calls. And it's, we saw it here with Luck. At some point, it's great to, quote-unquote, extend the play. And then when the injuries come, it's not so great. Bill, 239-1070. Hello. TNB, how you doing this afternoon? Great, buddy. Go ahead. Hey, when, before we start, when's the next uh, remote? Next remote is sometime next week. I don't know when. But I know we're going to be out St. Patrick's Day at O'Reilly's downtown. So I know that's on yep. the schedule. I believe St. Patrick's Day is next week. No, week after next. I'm somewhere next week. Hell, I don't know where I am. I don't know. That, that is on the calendar. And something else is on the calendar, man, is spring training. Yes, it is. Go really quick. Spring, spring training has started. The Reds play the Giants tomorrow. Uh, as far as the Pacers go, uh, it's murderer's row for them. This is a must-win for them tonight. Uh, <laughs> TJ, uh, Tobias, and Harris might not play. Pacers could possibly win. Billy, I appreciate that. Aaron Oh, Aaron's gone. I was going to get to him really quick, but he bailed. Sorry about that, Aaron. We'll do it again on Anything Goes. James, great job from you. Jay Palm, CBS, bracketologist. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, not a bracketologist. Jake Query, barely got into the combine on Friday. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Sixers, Pacers, other side pre-game show, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Shout out to YouTube Live. Well done.